Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 395th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings. Joining me on the call, we have Adam Smido-Smith, Ozzy Smith as well, and Andy Patterson. Going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. You know all that anyway, don't you? You know, don't you? Uh, updating during the week on SoundCloud. Catch us on their Apple Podcasts, Spotify, still not back on Amazon. Fuck them, no interest. Andy, talking about people taking L's, I think you have a, a bit of owning up to do. Let's get you in the confessional <laughs> box, shall we, straight away before we yeah. introduce our lovely uh, members of the chat. Uh, let's get it, get it off your chest. What is it you want to say, Andy? No, I just got to take. I just got to take the big L for last week in that because um, look that I talked. Well, I suppose I mean look, I made comments about Lopez and that I questioned his mentality. Um, I questioned probably his boxing ability as well, and he just shut all that down. He made me eat my words there. Um, I did get one thing right though. Although I didn't get the prediction right, I did get one thing right that mm. people. What I said last week is you got to give, give the credit to the winner. And what I've seen today is people who give them credit fine, good and well. But I've also seen people either shit on Loma or also... So the shit on Loma's actual ability. He's actually, you know, all that sort of stuff. He's overrated and all that. So you're actually kind of downtrodden on Lopez's win, which was a stellar performance there last night, which we'll probably get, which we will get into in that. But I just go to own up and say that I got it horribly wrong. Uh, the mentality side of that as well... Um, yeah, as I say, he got in the in the ring there, Lopez last night. He, as I say, he carried the promotion, he talked it up, and he, he carried his words. And you know, you got to, you got to applaud the guy who backs it up. You know, no many other guys are doing it. You know, they, they talk about wanting to fight the big fights. Lopez took the kind of maybe shorter money in that as well, and uh, stepped up and fair play to him. So uh, I've got to give my credit to uh, to Lopez, which even his comments post fight as well. Um, I've got to say, as I'm 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 on that hype train now where I'm actually because. Um, just as I say, step up, fight one of the the pound for pound ranked fighters in, in the world, and not just beat them, but you know, in rounds dominate them. Um, really, kind of get them on the back foot, uh, get them thinking and stuff. You know, Lomachenko couldn't pivot to the right. He couldn't get his, his jab going to about, maybe about the seventh or eighth round. That's when Lopez probably started to kind of back up a wee bit, maybe through tiredness and obviously he was active and that uh, throwing heavy shots, just trying to discourage Loma, keep him off off on the back foot and that. So uh, really, really polished. As his, you know, when I'm questioning the mentality and stuff like that, in the ring there last night, there was no question about his mentality whatsoever. It was a very, very mature performance for a guy of a 23-year-old who, you know, basically, you know, it was his big, big outcoming fight. Basically, you know, f- forget about the commie fight. This was his outcoming fight. And, yeah. if, you, know, the, the, you know, it's a legit one. I didn't want to hear about Loma being too small, Loma being, you know, a fraud and all that sort of stuff. Because as I say, if Loma had won last night, it would have been he beat a kid who was 23 years old, who was inexperienced and not ready for that level. Well, it's on the other foot now, so you've got to give Lopez's credit for beating, who will be, in my opinion, you know, probably an all-time great, without doubt, because uh, you know, some people are saying he's not an all-time great. I disagree with that. People have got their opinions, that's it, really, you know. But uh, my, my scorecard was 116-112. Um, I do have a wee issue with the 119-109 scorecard. I, I get it. I, c- I can see why it goes there, but I'm thinking it's a bit... I think 
Lomachenko deserved at minimum at least three rounds at least, you know. So come on, I think there's a uh, if it's if it's if it's tight some of those rounds and that's and then obviously Lopez has got the got the the benefit of the round and that. But you know, his quickness, his power, Loma was respecting that power very quick. I think it was around about round two. His legs, you know, his legs didn't really be dancing that, but he kind of got out of dodge. He kind of took a right hand and he kind of like had kind of like spin off and that. I think he kind of like really then he appreciated how quick and how powerful Lopez was. Um, really, the strength wasn't really much a factor because it didn't really kind of, you know, come in the clinches and that until kind of the latter half of the fight. Um, but obviously, the kind of strengths, obviously, in the punching power. And uh, he's clearly got Loma's respect very early. And I'm looking at that fight within you know, the first six rounds. I'm saying, so, right, right, okay, Loma Chingo's going to start fighting now, surely. And uh, it was very, very sporadic. I just thought, if you're going to lose the fight, you know, why don't you just let your hands go anyway and see what lands? Um, but no, it says... Lopez seen out the fight as well. Twelfth round, also left a wee bit in the tank in that as well. He finished off strong and a you know brilliant performance, absolutely brilliant performance. And he should be getting his credit by everybody. And just stop hating on just stop hating on Loma, for example, for being the smaller guy in that. Because in the day, he was ranked for a reason. His record speaks for itself, and he got beat by the bigger and better guy. So fair play. Well said, Andy. Uh, we will be looking at a few things Andy's mentioned there, going through all the ifs, buts and maybes of the fight, coming to Adam Smith very shortly. Going to, on, a bit on Ritson later as well, Big Fat Terry as well, Belly of the Weeks, all those type of, all that goodness. But a, a good portion of the show naturally will be taken over by the Lomachenko-Lopez chat. If anybody wants to jump on the call, you're more than welcome. Hoping to have Rock and Rob Kelly at some point. Shout out to everybody in the chat. James Windsor's there, Tosh Bear, Matthew Russell, Boxing Channel. Uh, there's about 11,000. The big fights being out, the big numbers. Pavers there as well. John Rain, who outed himself on Twitter earlier. Uh, Richard Wetton, JB. Shout out to Paluka Pete, James Tapner. Celtic Spirit, always good to see you in there, sir. Alan as well. Niall M, Take Ames, Paul Raftery, Andrew Sheridan, Tinned Tuna. Who else have we got here? I'd like to give the boys a shout out. Obviously, Liam Wynn as well over on Facebook. Not too much activity on Facebook. Boxing fanatic, Lee the Alcoholic Fox. Lee on the canteen. Boxing's first trade in leather boxing. A whole load of others as well. Let's go on to you then, Smido, shall we? Feel free to pick up on my point or make a complete different point of your own. But I thought it was a good close fight. Liked Andre Ward's scorecard. Tiafimo Lopez felt like the right winner to me. But the, my question for you, Smido, is... Did Lomachenko overthink it? Was he trying to be too clever, letting the early round slide by? Or was it just that Lopez's size and his power surprised him early on and made him a bit too reticent? I don't think he was trying to be too clever, Steve, because basically not doing enough to be winning any rounds in the first six or seven, he's not very clever at all. So, you know, we can't... Uh, it would be ridiculous to, to think that that was some sort of strategy. Um he was just simply not throwing enough Lomachenko. I, I got to like round six and I'm thinking this is a very curious performance. I was watching it with Ozzy and, you know, he's going to have to do something in a minute. I mean, I think that um, Tim Bradley, we had the ESPN feed on. I think Bradley called it right. I think early doors, he kind of um, felt the power a little bit from, from Lopez. That, um, he called out some reddening to the ribs as early as the second round. I thought that was possibly significant. I mean, the first thing that you notice when the first bell goes, we all know, we all knew this anyway, but the size difference, I mean, Lopez, you know, I've got a dread to think I'm, what the weight disparity was in the ring last night. Um, it just look, it just looks massive in comparison to Lomachenko and that's not being clever after, after the event. We, we all knew that. We all know he's kind of chasing greatness and, and fight, basically fighting at the wrong weight in terms of just to even get a, get a challenge almost. Um, 
I mean, and I've been on here before and said that the, the one thing that will be Lomachenko is size. Um, I didn't necessarily think that it would have, that would happen at lightweight. I, I was a definite advocate of him not moving up any further. Um, I, th- I mean, I thought that Lenares was too big for him. Luke Campbell was too big for him. And Lopez is probably bigger than both of those guys, particularly Lenares. Um, but yeah, it's just that you've got to admire Teofimo Lopez. Like, it was, he's had 15 pro fights. I mean, I wasn't on last week, but if I was, I would have said... You know, I would have said along the lines of, I think Loma will break him down, bamboozle him, work him out and, and stop him. Um, whether that comes through the corner or the rest. Shut up, mate. Um, yeah, so I, that's, that would have been my prediction, something along them lines last week. But you've got to, you have to give, you have to give um, Lopez massive, massive credit. Like I say, he's in, he's in his 16th fight. This is his, I know, I know he was challenging for three belts, but it was the first defence of a world title, basically. He's not just gone in with Lomachenko. He's chased this fight, as Andy Andy said that he's 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 actively called him out, chased him, and then as soon as the first bell gone, he's looked comfortable. He's looked relaxed. He was burning more energy than than Loma really does, but I think that was part of his strategy to kind of you know chase him down, keep Loma. There was they kept talking about letting Loma not pivot and steady not... pressure, wasn't it? Yeah, steady yeah. pressure. Button. Um. So so yeah. I, and he looked, he looked calm, confident in in what he was doing and the the game plan. And it was it was a fantastic performance. I mean, someone like me who's not seen much of Lopez, I've, I obviously saw the the Comi fight, but before that, you know, I've not seen a whole lot of him. Like I say, twenty three years old, I, I thought it was a it was a brilliant performance. I mean, my, like I say, my prediction last week would have just been Loma working him out and possibly a late stoppage. So I would have definitely been wrong as well. Um, but yeah, I just thought yeah, Loma was was already doing. I mean, some of the stats are early doors. I mean, I think there's something like after five rounds, he'd, he'd thrown he'd thrown like an average of eight punches around or something ridiculous. There was one. I don't think Loma even threw a punch in the first round, did he? Uh, well, I think you're right, Steve. I think you probably are right. Um, yeah, and you know there was you know eleven punches one round. He hardly threw a jab in the first half of the fight, as Andy said. I was expecting him to throw more body shots. I think Loma's been a sensational body puncher um, in his career so far, and we've not we hardly saw any of that. But um, we were all aware of the disadvantages Loma had in terms of the size and the reach. But w- with other fighters, Loma's showed excellence in getting on the inside, creating the angles, and you know even though he has got the, the significantly shorter reach to to overcome that, he didn't look likely to, to do that at any point last night. I think that. You know, like I say, he might have felt a little bit of the power early doors, and he was, you know, he was worried about going in, fighting fire with fire, and going into the pocket and engaging. But the, the switch side of that was he was getting pretty much dominated on on the outside because Lopez is obviously a lot longer, um, and you know, he was. I think the commentator said that you know there wasn't seen there wasn't um, used to seeing Lopez using the jab as much as he did last night. Obviously, that was massively effective, um, and I gave. I mean, I'm a terrible scorer, but. I was just discussing it with Ozzy as the fight went on. I gave him the second round, Lomachenko, but there's easily an argument he could have lost the first six or seven. And then I thought Lomachenko came on a little bit of a run, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Um, you know where he was. You know where it was obvious that he had to really start digging it, digging it out of the fire, and he and he was behind on the cards. But I thought personally that Lopez was the quote come out of my mouth. I thought he was falling apart in the eleventh, um, and. He was his back was touching the ropes um, consistently for the first time. Loma did go to the body a little bit. He was he was rocking the head back with the jab Lomachenko sporadically from about round eight onwards, um, and that's how that's how the cards became close, if you like. Um, but yeah, that eleventh, I, I said to Ozzy, I said that he looks like he's falling to bits here. But the the twelfth round from Loma, from um, 
Lopez was sensational. I've honestly thought it was like, like I say, um, mm-hmm. the first time he's been 12 rounds for a long time. Obviously, the first time he's been in any such level. Um, his corner apparently told him that, you know, he'd, he'd won the fight. You know, don't, you know, you don't need to go out all gun blazing in the 12th. He took no notice of that. Absolutely went for it in the 12th. Really stamped it. I thought it was I thought it was a brilliant 12th round, particularly coming off that 11th, which I personally thought w- was a disaster for Lopez. That was, without question, his worst round in the fight. Um, and, he, and he's come out and, and done that. I thought it was brilliant. Um, absolutely superb from Lopez. And the exciting thing about him is that, you know, it looks like there's still a bit, there's still a couple of chinks in there. Lopez is but no way near the the finished article. Again, you know, quoting his age at 23, he's you know he, he's going to be in different types of fights. He's probably going to be moving up weight, sound sooner rather than later. So, I mean, he's going to be re- really exciting to follow late on. But Lomachenko, really, I mean, like like Andy said, and I, and I listened to what Andy said last week about there can't be any excuses, and I 100% agree with that. There's no excuses to be made. Lomachenko, I mean, in this, he's been pretty much unique from from all my time within boxing. To I mean, he won a world, fought, fought for a world title in his second fight. Blah blah blah. I know he didn't win. Um, the the CV is racked up in in a short period as a professional. Is is brilliant. We all know he's fighting at the wrong weight, wrong weight, but that's what's made his fights intriguing. Um, so there's no no excuses or shitting on Lomachenko. Um, yeah, cr- credit, massive credit to Lopez and. Yeah, I thought it was, particularly the second half was really, you know, I really enjoyed it. Yes, I agree with the majority of that, especially the 12th round. I thought he was excellent in the 12th rounds when he could have easily wilted. I felt Lomachenko was about to come on, but it didn't pan out that way. Ozzy, a couple of points for you. Um, story of the body shots, first of all, Lomachenko couldn't really get to the body at all because of Lopez's size, his powerful uppercuts when he was he was coming in. Uh, also, Lopez, on the other hand, he did some superb do- uh, body work. And the second thing, Ozzy, I'd ask you is, did Loma look maybe a little bit intimidated at one point? I've heard people mentioning this on Twitter. The guys alluded it to on here as well. Did he lose the mental battle? Was he was he trying to fulfil his own prophecy a little bit, like his, his role of the master taming the student? Yeah, um, I'll start with the body shots. Um, I think we only saw Lomachenko start targeting that body when he actually started throwing some shots, which was in round... I think probably round seven, uh, and he started to get on the inside uh, and land, certainly not at will, but he started to put some combinations together. Rather than trying to throw in single shots, it was more, you know, putting the combinations together. And he pushed Lopez back a little bit then, but certainly Lopez invested in that body early. And and as Smido mentioned, I think it was in round um, very early in the fight, there was some, um, some reddening to the sides of Lomachenko straight away. But I think that what worried Lomachenko was that it was at the start of the second, and I think he got buzzed personally. And I think then he realised that he could be hurt, and he felt the power. And it, I'm I'm sure there was some sort of game plan there um, to maybe ease into the fight. But it certainly meant he look, you're going to struggle in any fight when you essentially give away six rounds. And Lomachenko didn't really do a thing. And I put that down to Lopez's style tactics the speed caused issues as well um yeah look the looks a different weight class in there but that was not the be all and end all um it was just one of many factors but the size was not we've seen lomachenko you know outgunned in size before against bigger lightweights but he still come through and it was a special performance from lopez um and one that i just completely didn't predict completely didn't predict at all and I didn't see many people tipping it 
for a, a point win either, it's particularly in that manner. I saw a lot of people as um, saying they could stop him. There was nothing on that. Uh, and it was a tremendous, tremendous display. Uh, certainly, I just don't understand the, you know, like the criticism of Lomachenko saying he was, he's not being that good. He was overrated. That is just downright disrespectful. This guy was in top three pound for pound, pound for pound rankings, you know, of current fighters, top top two if anything. Um, so to now say you know he wasn't that good. It's just a disgrace. It's disrespectful to Lomachenko. It's disrespectful to Lopez as well because it's like it's shooting down on it in a way. Um, certainly not. It was a magnificent performance. Um, I thought the Richard Comey fight for Lopez was one from where he just caught Comey cold. But this fight certainly just reaffirmed how legit Teofimo Lopez is. Uh, it's interesting that they've mentioned about jumping up to well um, 140 straight away. So the fight I would love to see is the winner of Taylor and Ramirez to fight um, to fight Tiafimo Lopez. What a fight that would be! Two undisputed champions getting it on at one forty. It'd be a serious contest. Absolutely, Ben's on the call with us. Hey, sounding first of all, Ben. Are you keeping well on this Sunday evening? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm doing a wrapping Rob Kelly, and I've come out for a stroll while I come on the pod. So. Yeah, I'm good. Excellent stuff. I'll be as concise as I can on the old questioning for you, Ben. So Lomachenko, looking back at uh, previous fights, people have mentioned the Luke Campbell fight. He did look slow at times against Luke Campbell, took over eventually. But um, Tiafimo didn't afford him that luxury. I think uh, Tiafimo did the basics pretty well as well. A lot of jab, move, fundamentals. It was so effective. I didn't really see him tiring out or, or being hurt at any point. He managed to keep his stamina up as well. Yeah, he looked good, you know, uh, sort of consistent all the way through. Obviously, like Smido mentioned, in the 11th, he did sort of look out of it somewhat. But that, uh, and again, like Smido mentioned, that 12th round was, was fantastic. It was absolutely so superb. I, I really wasn't expecting that. And I was questioning Lomachenko's tactics all the way through the fight, thinking, have they got some kind of, sort of master plan that's going to be something amazing when we all look back on it, like they're doing this on purpose? Because I really didn't expect him to, to sort of, perform like that and, and, and um, maybe that's me taking taking away from Teofimo and just how, how well he performed and surprised us all in how he could deal with someone like Andy said who's going to be a, an all or maybe already is an all-time great um, but um, I really um, really sort of feel disheartened I mentioned to you guys earlier about the way people have sort of um, put down Lomachenko saying he was hype and um, so I've take, take, uh, taken away from Tiafimo as well, that, that victory. Um, and I think it's, I almost argued to you guys before that it was, it takes away something from the sport that he's lost in a way because it gives people room to, to criticise fighters like that and um, uh, sort of take away from everything he's achieved. And I think a lot of the people who do that to Lomachenko have specific agendas. Um, and for various reasons, and they're quite nefarious, all of them, they just... Um, they don't, they don't like the fact that, that we call him the, the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. Um, so that's quite sad. But back to Tiafimo, yeah, fantastic performance. I was, um, thought he was, his speed was impressive. Um, you know, the way he kept Lomachenko at bay, fantastic. And um, I really would like to see him, if he is going to go up to 140, fight, fight Josh Taylor or, or Ramirez. But um, I think it puts Jack Catterall back in that very, very unfortunate position of 
just waiting around again even if he does uh, uh, get get this other fight it it's, uh, just puts him back in that, that horrible situation one more time Good stuff, Ben. Good to hear from you. Stay with us for as long as you wish. Talking to Rome in the streets, rapping Rob Kelly's here. Rob, the Oracle Kelly, I should add. The only person to pick Lopez last week. Rob, you must be pretty chuffed with yourself. Spot on as usual. Roberto, my yeah. brother. Yeah, how no, are you don't. doing? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Rob, we, how are you doing, brother? Hear you, <laughs> you sure? <laughs> oh, I can hear um, you fine. Yeah, I don't know if I picked him. I did, I did think I said, I thought, I thought he was capable of doing something special in the fight and... I think looking back on it, I was mean, giving me analysis last week. It actually cut off, so I did talk for a good five minutes and then forgot what I was saying when I was brought back in. But what I was getting at was, I think there's been some small signs of regression. You have to look for them, mind you, um, when you look at Lomachenko. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Teofimo Lopez's performance. Like I said, I expected him to do something in the fight. I thought he would. I thought he. I thought he caused Lomachenko problems because I think it's clear that Lomachenko is fighting two weight classes above his natural weight category or where he feels comfortable um he said that as much he doesn't i think you know as well as that you can look at lopez on fight night looks so much bigger than lomachenko i don't think he can put on any more weight lomachenko so he's only you know the weight and stuff he said before that he can't fight to his full capability at lightweight having said that he made no excuses he said this was going to be the best version of him this was going to be the time he got to showcase all of his skills and he was going to shut lopez up and he didn't have anything for him um until late in the fight i thought lopez defused him perfectly at the start took away the jab got to give credit to lopez senior i know he's an asshole he's a gamouche i think that's the phrase i've been re-watching sopranos and liking it. i don't really know what it means but i was saying it um <laughs> but i think you got to give him credit because even when you're looking at the footage and that blood sweat and tears him and joey gamachi they, they reference lomachenko's jab keeping fellas busy and while he's occupying him with the jab he's able to pivot off completely took that out of the fight he didn't try that all all night um Lopez way better on the jab than I thought he was going to be and a lot of those shots to the body we, we think of body shots sometimes like we think of a whipping hook into the body into the solar plexus or in around the kidneys but those straight shots with the full extension with fellas that have that kind of power in their hands they were energy sap, sapping shots from the early early get-go and I think Lomachenko was so hesitant to exchange in the first couple of rounds because he felt something um very early that power is real I think with Lopez um, and it kind of pains me to hear fellas say that Lomachenko gave the fight up and he didn't do enough and he, did, he threw this money punches. He did what he was allowed to do. He did what he was allowed to do. I don't like, I hate that in football, whatever whatever sport it is. If somebody else has the style, it's up to you to figure it out. Lopez was doing what he wanted and Lomachenko couldn't impose his, his game plan on the fight until the second half of the fight. Having said that, I thought he, when the 11th round came along, shout to the lads, by the way, Ozzy and Andy both rang me last night. So I didn't miss it. So I, I, I didn't want to make wake the missus up. So I saw the phone ring and I didn't answer it and got up and watched it live. But um, I was going to phone I you, mate, at half um, past two yesterday. yesterday that, that, as well. uh, Lomachenko was looking like he was turning it around at Alan Ares, um, better half down the stretch than Campbell. But I think those two fights gave clues that he can be hit at 135. And somebody with the, the kind of power that Lopez had was going to trouble him. So. He, he showed an incredible poker face last night as well, Lomachenko, because those were hurtful shots, some of the ones he was shipping, especially in the early half of the fight, and especially those ones to the body. And he never gave really an inkling he was hurt until the 12th. I think the ref did him a huge favour in the 12th round um, by calling the timeout for the for the cut because it bought him an extra 10 seconds to recover. I think he was in trouble at that stage. Um, and I actually don't think we're going to see a rematch. I think, I think Lomachenko will go back down to 130 and Lopez will go up. But... Um, 
it's a pity in many ways for Lomachenko that he didn't manage to unify the titles up at, at 135. But Take nothing away from either of the two of them. Don't come, don't come this week and say Lomachenko's too small or Lomachenko is getting old or he wasn't at his best. I don't want to hear that shit. And the same as I don't want to hear if Lomachenko had beat Lopez and say it wasn't his time. If you're old enough, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And that's just what it is. It's better. Lopez was a deserved winner on, on the night. I thought maybe two, three rounds. Nothing crazy. Like nothing, nothing 109. But at the same time, Julie Letterman all in score, by the way, only getting by on her dad's reputation as far as I'm concerned. But that that's an appalling score. But at the same time, I can understand people giving Lopez the bulk of the round because in the rounds that he won in the first half of the fight, Loma was doing nothing, absolutely nothing. And in the fight, in the rounds that Lomachenko was winning, even though he's winning the rounds, Tiafimo Lopez was way more competitive in those ones. So, um, you know, it's clear he lost to a much bigger guy. Nah, but that's no no excuse for from from Lomachenko's side. I thought Loma, Loma was a bit... All this build-up in the in the build-up, I think, like, Lopez, I actually think, is an okay kid. I think his dad's an asshole, but he's actually an okay kid. And I think he was probably a bit hurt by um, Lomachenko kind of uh, showing him disdain, and that was his motivation. But after the fight, I didn't think... I, th- I expected a little bit more class from Lomachenko. I thought, you know, shake hands with the guy who'd just been involved in a great fight the two years. Forget about all the trash talk. Two years ago, shake hands now and leave it at that. And then kind of storming out of the room ring a la Broner. I don't know if that's to do with the COVID or not, whether they, they can't stay in the ring for the interview, but I just thought, like, I thought it was, I didn't think it was that it was that close that you, you walk out and, and show that, like, um, side to it. So I was a bit disappointed in Lomachenko from that point of view, but way more disappointed in the likes of Devin Haney and those morons coming out now today and saying that Lomachenko was overrated and it was all hype and all this shit. Such a load of shit. If you think that about Lomachenko, you should watch a different sport. So, credit to Lopez, onwards and upwards for him. Where Loma goes next, I don't know. I think he'll go back down to 130, but um, there hasn't been much talk of a rematch today either, or rematch clauses and that. Like Normally, that's the immediate conversation straight after, so we'll have to see what happens, but definitely lived up to its billing. The best fight since, since um, in, in the big spectacle in probably the year, so I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Rob's right about Julie Lederman, but she's got no excuses. Not like she's inexperienced. Julie Lederman's been around the game, you know, with her dad and in her own capacity, judging fights for 20, 30 years. So there's no excuses there, really. Uh, just moving on then, Andy, onto the Lomachenko thing. Obviously, we'll, we'll no doubt shit on Haney at some point. But there's all these people disparaging Lomachenko. But the fact for me is that he's put himself on the line right from the start of his career. He's shrunk this this full career down by a third, really. You know, he's been going into fights the likes of Salido in his second fight. He's moved up in weight constantly, seeking out these challenges. It makes him worthy of praise, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, end of the day, look, I think, as I say, I'll go back to just briefly what Tiafimo Lopez said there last night, for example. You know, he, he called out uh, Lomachenko. He said he would beat him. Yeah, this was pre commie by the way, can I just say as well? And you know, he stepped up and done it. If Devin Haney is saying that Vasily Lomachenko was always overrated and all that sort of stuff, then why was Devin Haney not calling him out? Why was he not telling Eddie to get that fight made? If you're so sure, if you had the confidence like Tiafimo Lopez showed there last night, not just last night in the ring, but also in the build up to it as well, as it says, because I, I thought that he would unraveled at some point, but he kept it together. So if you think he's always if he's overrated and stuff like that, then call him out, fight him. That's all you, that's all we ask. So I hope Lopez was really bang on about that. But as you say, I mean, it's okay. You can take the crawl off a fight, for example. We can put a line under that. That's just a sea level. I would say like a European level fight. Crawl did amazingly well for uh, the talent he had and stuff like that. But always like uh, the Linares wins. The Pedraza fight was was a good one because he's coming off uh, surgery after I think it was like the best part of six, maybe in a year and a half out actually as well. 
Um, no, sorry, six months out or whatever it was. Luke Campbell uh, tested him as well um, at points. Uh, managed to happen to the body. Um, then, obviously, I mean, people want to shit on the, the Regal fight. When it was Regal, it was calling him out uh, in the day as well. Um, Mariaga, Nicholas Walters, uh, Roman Martinez, who'd been over the course and that as well. He was always a solid, super featherweight world titleist and stuff, you know. Um, so these, these are decent names, you know. We can go through obviously the kind of tie fighters and that that you fought and that. But Gary Russell, you know, for example, uh, the Salido fight was, you know, I, I said it last week. That I was talking to some people, you know, the, the way some people were going about Salido fight, you would think that Lomachenko got schooled in that fight, whereas it was just like a wee bit like last night. You could see Loma gradually coming in that fight. I just think last night with, with Loma was um, probably probably it's, it's probably threefold a wee bit, you know. He was scared of the, he was scared of the power, but he was wary of the power. Couldn't he get inside? And then when they got inside and stuff, it was too late. And you know, because you, you could see it at the moments, and he was standing in the pocket and that, and he was willing to exchange and let his hands go. I don't think he'd be able to do that for uh, for the offset uh, and last the twelve rounds. I really don't think that. So I just, you know, again, it just he left it a wee bit too late. The game plan, I don't know what it was to be honest with you. I think it was maybe it was hoping that, that Lopez would tire, um, maybe kind of, you know. The, the weight might have been an issue for him or whatever and that, but it never transpired. And again, as I say, I go back to the fact is I just, if he, you must have known he was losing the fight, so why not just kind of like let the hands go around this guy dancing about and stuff like that, pop off a few shots, you know, maybe at the body or, or you know, finally get a jab going and stuff. But then Lopez would come back with kind of more authority shots. No, no everything was landing, obviously. It was obviously, Lomachenko was catching some shots, he was parrying some shots and stuff like that. But it was just the, you know, the quickness and the and the power of Lopez's shots were, were really, you know, must have really kind of got Lomachenko's attention and stuff. So, end of the day, Lomas went up for the best part now, what's that, two years, I think, at 135. Um, and he's fought a guy who's probably more a legit, like, welterweight, actually. And people, you know, people are saying that themselves. Even the haters are saying Lomas too small. You know, he should be a super featherweight, 130 and that. So, you know, end of the day, you know, I just think guys who go up and chase these situations, stuff like that, or guys of immense ability who want to go up and test themselves against bigger opponents and stuff like that, fair play to them. You know, Floyd did it as well. Okay, you could say that Floyd maybe put a catch weight on Canelo, for example, and that, but at end of the day, you know, they still take these tests. Um, the, the only negative I can pick out of that fight last night would be, a, say, a Lupe Senior that he needs to retire now because he said it would end in a knockout. Uh, within five or six rounds, it didn't happen. So he said he'd retire if that didn't happen. So maybe he should retire as well. So that's probably the, the only negative I can take for that fight last night would be one, it didn't really kind of catch fire as such. You know, we were all expecting this big performance either from, you know, Lomachenko was going to school him or people were saying, you know, especially the ones that were back in Lopez, that Lopez was going to absolutely smash him at the park and that. But it never really kind of delivered to that extent. Um, as well, so you know, we could just say there's the only negative that would come out of that is it didn't deliver to the point is that Lopez took up and knocked him out. But at the end of the day, is we've got a clear, concise, you know, champion. We've got, you know, that Ryan Garcia's coming out, for example, saying that you know, there's still unfinished business in the lightweight division. No, there's no, we've got a clear champion. All roads lead through Tiafimo Lopez. That's at the end of the day. Um, so just going back to the kind of comeback factor in that as well, you know, as I say, was Loma kind of like too late in figuring out how to fight him? Or was it just a simple fact that Lopez slightly tired going down, down the stretch and maybe leaving a wee bit in the tank for the, the last last round or whatever in that as well? But no, I mean, as I say, Loma, you know, guys like Loma, Manny Pacquiao, Roy Jones, Floyd, um, Oscar, 
Gerard Hopkins to a lesser degree because he went for middleweight right up to light heavy. You know, these guys go to be respected in, in, you know, in their own regard. I mean, you, of course, you can pick up their opponents and dissect them and destroy them and, you know, pick your own, pick your own narrative and stuff like that. But no, at the end of the day, um, you know, he's, he's tried to, you know, to me anyway, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he tried his best, but he, certainly he's done his best at least anyway. But um, I just think people are just shitting on Loma on that as well. As it's just, it just doesn't sit right with me. It's just, again, I agree with what Rob was saying on that as well. And I said it last week. It was when this sat right with me as well, shitting on Lopez if Lomachenko would beat him. Smido, um, I suppose the question is now, will Lopez continue taking on these type of challenges going forward will, or will top rank hold him back to try and learn, make defences and mature? I mean, hopefully, what I expect, what I, what I hope is that the win will shame some of these other fighters into stepping up. Maybe Devin Haney will, you know, he'll forward on the WBC email belt to another recipient and stay out the way. But uh, I'd like to see Lopez getting the challenges and continue the, in this vein of form and the likes of Bob Aram Smido not holding back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only question at lightweight is what is what has Bob got his fingers in to, um, you know, to, to to continue to provide those challenges. I mean, I'm just a quick look on Boxrec here. I mean, Javonta Davis and Devin Haney definitely aren't uh, well acquainted with with Bob Arum. Um, I know Lee Selby is in some sort of final eliminator, isn't he? That's a uh, the curious case of Lee Selby that's been binned off many matchroom shows or contracts for being boring yet he's now propping up pay-per-view events but we'll move on from that um i think that lopez is going to end up moving up but i mean just as a um just as a taking this event or this fight uh, on its own i mean the evidence is that tiafimo lopez at 23 years old he's, he's open to taking on anyone i mean lomachenko you know this time 24 hours ago was you know was was top of the pile and and you know the the toughest puzzle to solve within boxing. He solved it with flying colours. Um, and I know there's a bout that Aussie has in mind. Or put one forty, so I'll leave that one to win. Sorry, Smido. Um, moving on. Welling's getting caught in the hot and <laughs> the hop here. Uh, yeah, what about the um, undercard, Andy? Anything taking your interest there? So, Cedo yeah. Barbosa was a pretty decent fight, wasn't he? Um, it was okay, mate. I was kind of like lagging at that point as well. But you know, I, I was really impressed with that Edgar Berlinga. Actually, that guy looks like an absolute monster. Yeah, I know it's a bit late heavyweight, but um, that was like his 15th knockout, 23-year-old. And that. Um, I think he, he would probably be fighting more than it kind of super middleweight. But uh, that, that Lionel Billows who he was fighting and stuff was usually quite durable. That was his first uh, stoppage defeat and that, <laughs> what a defeat it was. Um, usually kind of known for like, going the distance and stuff, uh, that, that Bellows. So maybe uh, that Berlinga is definitely going to be one to kind of keep an eye on as well. Um, so I'll say though, yeah, I think there's, there was, I'm trying to remember now what happened that fight, but the time was on it four in the morning. I think he, there was a knockdown, it wasn't called in that fight, but Barbosa was certainly a kind of worthy winner. Um, I don't know if it's middle still on the call on that, but there were some people asking, you know, where was the value in that fight? So I like to know what the odds were in that. But uh, Salcedo, who's you know, who hasn't really got a bit of a following, but well, he has got a bit of a following. I was going to mention this actually as well because this year we've had quite a few upsets. And obviously we'll mention the Sky card and that as well. But you know, we've got Journeyman as such coming into kind of Sky shows, winning, winning, you know, big opportunities and stuff. I just wonder, like, with, with uh, Salcedo not having his fan base, and you know, Barbosa coming in and 
just wonder some of these fighters are kind of struggling not having the fans in there, especially the more like the A side and that as well. Because I, I think if you had Loma and uh, Lopez fans in there last night, and that it would be a bear pit. You just don't know if I'm not saying the mentality is wrong, but you just wonder if they kind of go in there, kind of, kind of span partner, kind of kind of like mood. You know, the kind of atmosphere, like that kind of span atmosphere, shall we say. It's not got the kind of Rosh's crowd, kind of like urging you on and stuff, so. But it's like the football, they're just like pointless. Yeah, yeah like, like Celtic yesterday, you know, the collapse. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Andy. We'll move on. We have our first guest of the evening on the call, Sam Maxwell. How are you, Sam? I'm not too bad, keeping well. We're talking a bit of Lomachenko Lopez here. I know you were listening in. Did you manage to catch the fight at all? I did. I stayed up for it. What did you think of it? I thought um, the first six, I felt like Lomachenko didn't do much, but he was set. I was hoping he was setting up for the later rounds. And um, I think he won a second and he, he lost the, he lost a few of the, few of the rest. But I thought he took over in the, in the second half of the fight. I thought he started landing good combinations. Uh, Lopez was still pressing him, but I thought... I just liked what Lomachenko was doing better, and I think I've been a bit biased maybe, but I thought um, he just nicked it. I was a bit gutted with the, with the scoreline when, when, um, when they read it out, but great fight, really enjoyed the fight, and uh, Lopez really impressed me, and yeah, it was great to watch. Do you think the fact that the scores were so wide sort of detracts from it a little bit, takes the storyline away from what should have been a brilliant Lopez win? Yeah, it seems to be the case all the time lately. Like We have great fights, and um, we all score the more close 50-50 fights, and then we hear the scorecards and it just spoils the whole event. Like We end up talking about that more than we do about the boxing. But uh, yeah, I think that was the case again last night. But it was a great fight. We'll be moving on to your career shortly. Just before we do, so obviously you fought Lomachenko a couple of times. Give us a bit of inside yeah. info on what it's like to fight him. Uh, he's just brilliant. Yeah, like um, He shows again, like he was even even though he's, he, he's showing his age last night, maybe, or Lopez was showing how classy he was. Just the angles, he's making uh, Lopez miss with jabs. It looked like he was in front of him and he was making them miss. And it's just, it just shows like... When I, that's what I found when I was fighting him. It was just impossible to hit him. If he didn't want to be hit, he's not getting hit. And uh, yeah, he showed that last night as well. What about his punching power? I noticed that back as an amateur in that How did he punch? Just accurate, very fast and accurate. Like he, when he threw, he hit me. So uh, I wouldn't say like he's the hardest hitter I've been in with, but he, he, his punch accuracy is just brilliant. And yeah, he never misses. So that, that's what that can kind of stun you. Yeah, good stuff. Onwards and upwards for Tiafimo. Uh, what would you like yeah. to, just finally, what would you like to see Lomachenko do now? Maybe hang them up? Where's his status in the current, obviously, you know, all-time great in that? I know, like, I just, uh, yeah, I don't forget time. Like, I thought it was a great fight. He's fighting one of the young lad there who's um, who's obviously going to go up and keep going on and pushing on to pound for pound best. But I don't think he's ready to, to quit. Yeah, it was a great performance, a great fight. And I'd, I'd, I'd watch it again, definitely. So, yeah, I'd, I'd maybe a rematch with Tiafimo or... Whether they'd want that again, I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't think it's time for him to hang off like his gloves yet. Absolutely. You are obviously an excellent amateur yourself. Uh, some of the standout performances or standout names you went in with as an amateur, can you remember? Uh, of loads, when Lomachenko, being with the lad who beat Lomachenko, Salmanov, uh, I stopped him. Uh, being with Italian called Magic Capri, being with Cuban called Lopez, being with Joe Podina, Josh Kelly, uh, Tom Stalker. Uh, yeah, everyone. Yeah, quite a few names over the years. As a professional, some good wins. yeah, you obviously fought a few months ago there as well against Joe Hughes. What was it like fighting yeah. in the bubble? I imagine it was pretty strange. Yeah, it was strange. It was like um, I boxed in front of uh, where there's not much crowd uh, around. But yeah, it was strange. First time as a professional doing something like that. And uh, in the fight, I could hear like, commentary speaking. And stuff like that. It was just that weird. Like, but, uh, you just got to get on with it. I'm just, I'm just blessed that I got the chance to fight. And it was a good fight. Obviously, things are working out with your corner team as well. Could you hear, like, uh, Georgie Vaughan shouting in the corner and that at you? Danny, Danny, it is. It's uh -huh. not Georgie's son, but yeah, you can 
and everything. That, that's probably a, um, a bonus about it. You could um, you could hit every tactic that, that your coach was trying to get across, but you could also hit theirs and they could they could hear you. So yeah, it was just uh, interesting. We've had Joe Hughes on the pod before. He's a good, honest guy, a good fighter as well. Yeah, really, really good guy in his dad as well, or his father-in-law, company was his coach. Just really good people. Before that, obviously, win over Conor Parker, coming in undefeated. What do you remember about the Conor Parker fight? It was good, yeah. I always felt, I think it felt, it went how I felt it was going to go. Like, um, you know, we start well and um, my boxing skills will, t- will take over in the end and I think that's what happened. Like, but it was a good good matchup. But um, yeah, I felt like I showed my levels there. I was a bit, a bit ahead of um, Conor at the time. Uh, tell us about the Sabri Sidiri fight as well. Obviously, it became a bit of a viral sensation back at the time. What, what do you remember thinking <laughs> back about that one? Oh, it was just I because he um, he was a last minute opponent, so I didn't know much about him. I had to look, tried to look up on YouTube and Instagram, and I found a couple of videos. And he didn't look like nothing special. He looked like he had fast hands, and uh, he's a confident guy. Got a few knockouts in his record, but uh, I just underestimated him completely. And I just went into the first round like like I would have all against the journeyman I've been fighting recently, like where you can take your time and you can you can you're not worried about what's coming back. And he may, nearly maybe pay um, paid the price, but I'm. I'm glad that I, I got to him in the end. Like it took, took, it took a long time, a lot longer than than I would like to have gone to the rhythm and, and find finally throw a good shot. But uh, I learned a lot in the fight about myself, about my corner team, and I know I'm better than that. And I, I'm glad, I'm glad it happened because uh, it, it opened up a few more doors for me. Like like you said, it got me viral, uh, got me some good good fights, and it, also people that's going to take fights against me because they might feel like I'm punchy or you know I'm, I'm past it. When I, when I'm not, I just had an off day against someone who can punch. And uh, so it was, I think it's a, I think it was a blessing in disguise. We're looking forward then, Sam. Any potential future opponents? I know Aki Menis Brown's name's been mentioned for you. Yeah, that's the fact that it's looking like it's going to happen. Uh, me be keen for the British and Commonwealth is a dream come true for me. I think it's going to be a great fight. He comes, he's a confident lad, and uh, he throws a lot of shots. He's awkward, and uh, you know my style as well. I like throwing shots. I like going forward. So it's going to it's going to make for good watching. I think, and uh, you know I'm confident in my ability to to win that fight. But it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, it's a, I think he's a good fighter, actually, Akeem. Um, he he's got some great names he's been on his record, so, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm definitely respecting him, not taking him lightly. No, absolutely. Uh, Lewis Ritson as well is floating about. Did you manage to catch his fight last night? Yeah, I watched Lewis's fight. Um, he looked a bit off. He didn't look like he got going. Got going. Uh, Vasquez just was tip-tapping and uh, just outscoring him, I feel. But, uh, yeah, that's not the Ritson I'm, I'm used to seeing. Yeah, Lewis is obviously a big puncher. It must be difficult to fight someone like Vasquez, who's so experienced. He's a mover. He's sort of messing you around in there. Yeah, and he doesn't give you a chance to set your feet and let them power shots go. He, Lewis didn't get a chance to let his big shots go, really. And um, yes, you must get first. And then the more frustrated you get, the more you're trying to load up with them big shots, and the less chance you're going to land them. And I think that was that's what happened last night. But I'm glad he won. Um, you know, because he's, he's better than that. And uh, hopefully, he comes back and he shows in his next performance. He's, he's a lot better than that. A final couple of questions for you, Sam. Just before we move on to them, do you have any social media presence you want to make people aware of? Yeah, follow me on Instagram, SamMax88, and uh, Twitter, SamMaxWell88, I think. <laughs> One yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> They'll find you, don't worry. They'll find you. Uh, tell us about the Golden Contract final, O'Hara Davis winning against Tyrone McKenna. It was pretty tight in the end. Did you catch it? Yeah, it was a tight fight. Uh, it was a tight fight, I thought. No, I'm 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 friends with Tyrone, so I was hoping he, he could pull out the bag and uh, and get the win. I thought like it was close enough where he could have got the decision, but uh, yeah, I think the right the right winner got it. But I don't think Hanara looked great. Um, he talked himself up massively, but uh, he didn't look great at all. I think Tyrone made him made him look average, and yeah, but an interesting fight, one one that could happen in the future for me. 
uh, floating towards the top end of the division. You've obviously got Jack Catchall uh, sort of focusing in on his fight with Ramirez as well. Josh Taylor is an exceptional fighter, isn't he, Taylor? Oh, he's done really. He's the best in the plan at the moment. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to show that against Ramirez. I can't wait for that fight. But I'm, I'm hoping Josh can come through. I think he's, um, yeah, he's brilliant. And Jack, Jack's, um, it's, I feel it's a bit sly on Jack. He's been waiting for his chances. He's been in a mandate shot for a while now, hasn't he? And, um, yeah, he's had, to, he's had to take a back seat and wait. But um, his chance will come, I think, soon. Uh, just finally then, Simon, thanks very much for joining us. Any movement on your next fight? Any whispers? Do you know when you'll hear any word at all? So, um, yeah, it sounds like his team won it, I won it, and uh, they've come to some kind of agreement. So it's just about getting the dates now, I think. I don't know whether December's are all booked up or hopefully I can get on in December, but if not, it's, it might be looking like next year. But fingers crossed, pray for me, and hopefully it's uh, December. And uh, that'll be a brilliant end to the year for myself and uh, be a great fight. Lovely stuff. Thanks, thanks very much for joining us. I appreciate your time, sir. Me on. All the best, Sam. Cheerio now. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Sam Maxwell there. Got him on in the end, going places. Quick word, Aussie, before we go back to Lomachenko against Lopez. That'd be a good fight between him and Akeem Ennis Bruno, right, Bruno? Yeah, it looks like it's been set up uh, online, uh, basically through through Twitter. Uh, you've got Brown putting a poll out saying, who do you want to see me next? Maxwell wins it. And all it takes is a few tweets these days. Management speak, and it seems like the necessary, the difficult bit, the purses are agreed. So, yeah, it's just waiting for a date now. But they're the fights you want to be seeing, aren't they? Good, you know, good, solid British title fights, British Commonwealth belt on the line. So, yeah, that's a, that'll be a, a tough fight, that, for for Sam. I, I rate Ennis Brown. He's, a dec- he's decent. I like him. So it'd be interesting, but... Look, you can argue that the better the opponent, it brings it out in him. Coming off a career best win against Joe Hughes, who I thought Hughes had caused some problems. Um, Hughes has, you know, got a couple of debatable losses on that record. So yeah, why not? Why not? You're in boxing to win stuff, aren't you? Um, particularly from the level he's operated at. So yeah, go and get it. Go and get it. Go and chase those titles, and good luck to him. Yeah, good luck to Sam going forward. You're listening to episode 395 of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. That was Aussie there. Andy Patterson's knocking about as well, rapping Rob Kelly, uh, Ben. Smido's trying to get back on the call. Let's uh, bring Smido back in to the madness. Shout out to everybody in the chat there. Up to 14,000 now, all having a great time of it. Ben, back to you then. It's mentioned earlier by Smido, and it's a point I picked up on as well. You might have mentioned it too. Uh, Lopez is stamina holding up. I thought he looked like he might wilt in the 11th, Ben, and that he came back so impressively. In that 12th round, I thought going into the 12th, when the bell went, I thought this shit is about to get interesting. Lomachenko is going to put it on him. And then all of a sudden, Lopez came back firing at him and won the round right out the boot. And he, he was di- dictating the pace of the fight right from the beginning. But that 12th round, Ben, I thought was really impressive and shows a lot about his mental fortitude as much as his stamina going forward. 100%. I mean, you know, I was when I was speaking before, I said, I was trying to figure out what, what is Lomachenko's game plan here. And then when he sort of had him like that in the 11th, I thought, Maybe this was the plan, you know. Maybe he just wanted to bring him right to the end and then he's going to, you know, take him into the Matrix. And, and and then when he came back out in the 12th round and he started performing like he did, and you could hear uh, uh, Lopez Senior shouting his shouting his boy on and stuff, uh, and he was he was just, you know, throwing away. It was um, it really was fantastic to see. And I, I, tried, I tried to think, actually, at the time, when when I last saw someone um, sort of react like that, when, they, when you saw them looking so um, so fatigued, at the end of the 11th and then come back in the 12th and, and, and put on a performance like that. And especially at that level, uh, and you're talking again uh, about doing it against a, 
a generational talent, you know. Um, it really was fantastic stuff. And, and uh, at his age, I think he's 23, unbelievable, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, the world, uh, world is oyster at the moment. It's, um, it really was fantastic to see. Yeah, Rob, just going into that final round again, then I'm, I'm dwelling. We are going on to Ritz and all that soon, but I wanted to give this a proper chat. Uh, Loma possibly got buzzed in the final round. It showed why he was maybe reluctant, Rob, to engage with Lopez's punching power throughout. Although one thing I will say is that I did think he wasn't giving credit for this, although I turned the ESPN commentary down to be honest, so he could have been giving credit for it. I thought Loma was doing a decent job of blocking, blocking, half parrying, taking the sort of the distance off of Lopez's chops. It wasn't like he was getting caught clean all the time. I think his defence was, was pretty tight for the most part, Lomachenko. Yeah, but like, quite three and a half throwing your throw six punches around. Um, and Lopez is connected with the other ones as well as the ones he's missing. There's not really an argument for him winning those rounds. I, mean, I think you never you never expected Lomachenko to be five zip down after five rounds. You know he's a slow starter, but you think all right he's going to get a share of the rounds or he's going to do enough to nick a couple. But even if, when he's taking a look, so you never expected him to be that far behind. And again, massive all the credit for that goes to Lopez because he imposed his style on Lomachenko. Lomachenko couldn't impose his style until later in the fight. Interesting about the twelfth round actually because Teofimo Senior said. When they were going into the twelfth round, you have to fight one already. Um, don't take any risks. Basically, go out and take this round off, like kind of thing, and don't get stopped. And he did the opposite. He bit went out and bit down. So I think that shows the cracks in the relationship with him and the father. And after listening to the Roy Jones Rogan podcast this week, where Roy again went into it about his um, relationship with his father and how he had to get away from him because the father was making it all about him. I think that's evidently there with the, with Teofimo Senior. It's all about him. He's not, he's not even 100%. gracious in, in in winning. Like last night he had a, took a shot at, at Papachenko um told him to go back and teach Loma how to dance. Like there's no need for that. Like you can't Lomachenko's a class act in the ring. Whether he's a nice guy or not, I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? He's probably not. Like I think I think we touched on it before on the pod about his arrogance and I think even some of the stuff he's done in the ring where he's doing the kind of matador stuff and he's mimicking the fella, you know, bending over when he hits him with the body shot and stuff. Like, he probably is a prick, like. But I thought, like, Loma, um, Lopez Sr. showed no class throughout the whole thing. And I think down the line, those two would split. Yeah, I think sometimes these fathers are living vicariously for their sons, aren't they? Every punch that Lopez yeah. lands, every shot he throws, every belt he wins is sort of a victory for Teofimo Sr.? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. All, you see these guys all the time in gyms, don't you? Like the kids, they come in with the kids, and they, they, um, a lot of the times the kids don't have the talent to live up to the father's expectations. But the fathers were never fighters themselves. They're just trying to, like you said, live vicariously. You see it in soccer as well with the kids when they're coming through. But, um, regardless of all that, he has the business with Lopez. I think. It, I think now we have to say it's real. I always kind of thought it was real, to be honest with you. I, I remember predicting. I, I thought he'd smash Kami to bits as well, and he did. I. I don't know if I, I could just see something in him that he's he's too big for lightweight. He's got massive power and he's a better boxer than we thought he was as well. So, you know, that's what we need. We need we need changing of the guards happening um, quicker than they have happened in boxing because you know Floyd had the horse for so long that he held it. We're waiting for the comes and takes it. We need someone to come and take it over quick. Like they, you know, you have to realize as well, boxing is in competition with the UFC where. Guys don't reign forever because the next guy is always on the horizon. The next guy is coming up. The next star of the sport is here, the ne- and we need that in boxing. Like so, I know um, 
I think Ben, if Ben was saying that it's better for boxing if Loma had won, but I'm not sure. Like I think we need stars. Loma, Loma hasn't been a crossover star as much as it would have been in the US. I think Lopez with the US um, crowd behind him could bring the sport on. We need guys like him. We need the Ryan Garcias. We need those guys coming through to become the next superstars of the sport. So um, I, I love Lopez in the in the after after in the post fight press conference as well, where he just called it like it was. He was like. They're asking about Javante Davis. He's like, well, he's fighting a 126 pounder. He's fighting, he's fighting Santa Cruz, and I think he must listen to the pod as well because he called Haney the two-time email champion as well. So, um, yeah, I love his attitude. He's like, I don't, get, you know, if these guys want to talk, 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 them to come and fight me. So, um, I'm interested to see the future of Teofimo Lopez for sure. Yeah, talking about the two-time email champion, just before we bring you in on the fathers, Andy, I don't know if anybody's seen. Um... Haney's road to the world title, but we'll just relive that really quickly now, shall we? An emotional evening, emotional. <laughs> oh, just think to he could maybe fight the fucking unified Yahoo champion or something like Javante Davis. You know, Jesus Christ, that was brilliant. But now you need to say to the, the listeners, obviously, if you listen to this on iTunes or wherever you listen to it, you need to come back and watch it on YouTube to support Steve played It was fucking brilliant. Matthew, Matthew D'Souza says, I hope DHL are paying the boxing asylum serious money. We're not going to penny from DHL. I said they'd probably be soon. That's more than likely. <laughs> ben, Wiseman, ben Wiseman Industries, Boston, Massachusetts. That's where the head offices are registered. There we go. Buncey last week and a bit of DHL this week, giving you a laugh on a Sunday evening. Uh, what was I going to do, Andy? Oh, yes, bring you in on the fathers. That's right. Yeah, it's just about uh, what Rob is saying in that. I mean, obviously, I mean, I've been watching all the sort of stuff and that uh, in the build up to this fight. You know, there is a serious fracture in that relationship between his dad, uh, the, sorry, the, the two Lopez's. Um, you know, Lopez made, sorry, Junior uh, basically stated um, that his dad can't turn it off. He's getting kind of fixated with his boxing game, probably kind of getting in tow with the, with, with the fame in that. It was his dad actually who actually, you know, went up to Lomachenko and basically gave him shit to his face and Junior's like, you know, what happened and all that sort of stuff and that. And I, I just think that there's this element of domineering uh, with Lopez Senior over his son a wee bit. Um, I'm just reading between the lines and stuff. Now, I downloaded the Papachenko documentary and stuff. It's interesting to see how he goes about actually training his son and that because there was actually some footage when Lomachenko was actually, what, he must have been looking like six or seven-year-old and he's doing these chin-ups and stuff and he's, he's he's getting tortured beyond belief 
And the old man's basically saying to him, look, you don't have to do it, but you need to do it. But it's your right, you can step away and don't do it. And you can go into something else, or you can come back to it at a later point. And for some, somehow, he manages to kind of like mentally talk them round. Whereas off Lopez Senior, I kind of get that element, that kind of bullying and you know, just that kind of like wise arse, arsehole type kind of situation stuff, you know, kind of a bit of a bully. Whereas I've seen it with, the, with Lomachenko's dad and that he kind of like kind of talks you into it rather than kind of like bully you into it. Maybe play on the kind of mentality side of that as well and that. So just thought it was kind of interesting the kind of approaches and that what I was watching between the two dads and stuff. Um, I kind of agree with what I think Rob mentioned that. I, I wouldn't be surprised actually in the coming coming months maybe if they split maybe they won't um, because I know he gave his dad a lot of props and that and the build up to the fight especially doing the, the final presser or the one to one with ESPN um, he presented them with that WBC trainer's belt after the fight and that as well there was a, a big hug about that and that so you know maybe that relationship works but I think as a father-son relationship maybe it's not as what you know what it once was um, which is a bit of a shame in that but um as, as the guys were not were saying that as well, in that 12th round, if you're disregarding what your trainer's saying, you know, I think that kid, uh, Junior, basically saying, I'm my own man, I can make my own decisions and stuff. And as I say, he's, he's carried himself and believed himself right through the whole promotion, Junior. Uh, seniors kind of maybe reaffirmed it, shall we say, uh, a wee bit to affect that, but he's just a bit of a prick in there. How he could, you know, it's like Danny Garcia, oh, sorry, uh, uh, Dad's uh, 2.0 and that, so that's type of situation stuff. So I just thought it was a bit interesting as to how the two approaches worked and stuff. So uh, it might be interesting to see how the two uh, uh, Lopez's kind of, you know, get on going forward and that because obviously this this was a breakout win in performance for, for Lopez. There's, you know, if there were fans there, there'd be massive amounts of kind of like stardom and stuff like that uh, as well. So I just wondering that as well if it might go to Junior's head a wee bit. Uh, maybe no Junior as well, but we'll just wait and see how it kind of pans out. I just thought it was a wee bit interesting though. Yeah, I'm not sure how far Andy got with the undercard, but as I was saying, whenever I bought Sam Maxwell in there, I enjoyed the Barbosa Saucedo fight. Saucedo's too easy to hit, isn't he? He's been exposed who, who before. Who won that fight? Barbosa won the fight on points, Andy. Uh, Rob, sorry. He, he did that. He won on, sorry, mate, on you. Because yeah. I know um, I met uh, Saucedo's from Oklahoma. He's um, His trainer is Eddie Autry. He's the coach of uh, Moshin as well. Um, very knowledgeable fellow on, on the sport. I'll try and get him on. I did try and get Joey Gamachi on as well. He's uh, a little bit busy at the moment, as you could imagine, because he was in Lopez Senior's uh, corner as well. So I'll try and get him on down the line as well. But... Oh, Rob's been KO'd. Maybe an Edgar Belanga KO. Uh, interesting win for, I can't remember the opponent, Linnell something, I think it was. I thought at first the referee was maybe playing into the Belanga first round Edwin Valero story, and it seemed like an early stoppage to me, despite the cut on the opponent's eye, but afterwards the opponent never complained, the corner never complained. He had a bit of a wide-eyed look in his face, so maybe Belanga's the real deal. Um, he can definitely punch for sure. A final word from you, Smido, on the main event, but alone, we, we had a bit of Lopez love. Let's have a bit of Lomachenko love from you. I think Top Bank will be happy that Lopez won Smido. I think he's more marketable than Lomachenko. But another another pat on the back for Loma from me. He gives up on the negotiating side. He's given up on the weight by moving up. He's given up the advantages because he can't go full-on diva, Smido. And we're all the better for the results of that decision, which is fights like Lopez last night. Yeah, absolutely. I think because he's... Well, there's a few things because he's um, from Eastern Europe. He was late to turn over, obviously. Um, so yeah, they're the reasons that he's been taking on any and all challengers, and not not for the the massive money that's, that others, particularly some of the Americans, managed to uh, 
managed to get. So yeah, you got to give him credit. And like I say, in, in those fifteen fights before last night, there's been a couple of bummers in there. Don't get me wrong, the Anthony Quallers of this world. But I mean, it's it's a who's who of of fighters, and some of them who don't, who you know wouldn't be at the top. Gary Russell Jr. is not at the top of anyone's list to fight, and I think Lomachenko fought him in like his four four fifth fight. Um, you know, and, and that's I think that's underrated or forgotten about. So it's just one of them, similar to what we saw with. Um, was it um, Golovkin? I thought. Well, I thought it was going to happen with Golovkin in terms of moving up weights. But yeah, he's had to move up weights to to find different challenges for himself, or, or or you know to try and you know creating his legacy, going up and winning belts at different weights. Everyone knew he was fighting at the wrong weight. We're what we're not being clever after the event, um, but you know at some stage it was gonna it was gonna um, catch up with him as we've all predicted, and um, and and you know last last night was that night we didn't. Not many of us thought it would be last night, but it was. Um, what I would say is a bit of a caveat in there. Moving back down in weight, we've had this conversation before. There's not many that, you know, because Lomachenko's had a few fights at lightweight, three, four, five, possibly something like that. He's got to come back down now. And it was in the, one of the build-up videos with um, uh, Top Rank along the lines of, you know, the, the training's different and he's eating different and, you know, putting more weight on. Well, that's going to have to come off if he's coming back down. So yeah, it will be interesting also- to... He's also using sweatsuits to make 135 and notice these days as well. Yeah. 32-year-old, it might be yeah. a big ask to drop another five pound. Like. Yeah, and it's going to be a shit because, you know, he could have stayed at um, 135 or even 130 and just absolutely pissed all over it, cleaned up the belts and taken on little shit mandatories for the, for five years if you wanted to. But obviously, you know, in, in, in order to get these challenges and the big the bigger fights, he's had to move up and, and he's come unstuck. Um I mean, it's never, you know, it might be different protocols with all the COVID and that, but it's never great to see fighters walking off out the ring a, a bit, um, you know, diva-ish, Adrian Broner style as he did last night. But I'll, um, I'll, I'll pass judgment on that for the time being because there might be a, a reason for that. There might be a reason for that. But, Ben, was there a reason for the scoring over in Peterborough in the Lewis Ritson versus Miguel Vasquez fight? Ritson got the win, as we all know, 115-113 in his favour, 116-113 against him. And uh, rather wide, like the uh, person who put the scorecard in himself, 117-111 in favour of Lewis Ritson. First, first, first of all, Ben... Feel a bit sorry for Ritson. I'm going to go on to that in a minute. But uh, he didn't deserve to win the fight. I think we all agreed about that. No, not a chance in hell. Um, <laughs> but um, I've sort of pretty much come to expect this to happen quite regularly in British boxing. Um, it, it's really sad. And um, you see Terry O'Connor being a, a usual culprit of, uh, of uh, you know, having these really bad scorecards. Um, and I think it's um, things like this are more widespread than, than people realise. And I think last night we saw it happen at least twice, or arguably twice with the Ward card as well. Um, I think people were, were sort of uh, a bit disillusioned with, with that decision. And, um, and I even tweeted when, when that happened, I says, when, when a card takes this long to be announced, you know what's going to happen. And I've had multiple people throughout my time reporting on the sport who, who work you know, at the highest levels tell me that. Whenever a card takes too long, Ben, you know what's going to happen. And, uh, and it happens all over the world. And, and it seems to be happening way too much in our sport. Everyone said, we always talk about when you go abroad and you're going to get these dodgy decisions. When you come here, it's no better. The only, the only difference between us and abroad is the fact that we have these fancy broadcasts and these shiny lights and, you know, these, these uh, fancy faces in, in front of it. That's the only difference. 
we make it look good. We sparkle something in, in front of your face to to uh, to sort of uh, to distract you from the fact that cards are either being changed or or bad decisions are being made on purpose from the get go. That guy had no chance. What what I mean, Vasquez has uh, been around a long, long time, you know. Um, so he he might you know take it on the chin and just be you know it's just another one of those nights for me. It's another paycheck and I'm going back home to my family. But imagine if that was a younger kid. Um, how demoralizing is that, especially for someone who's in the away corner, an underdog, traveling halfway across the world, you know, to to um, to to make a better you know life for himself, and then we're getting we're giving them chances like that. And that's not even mentioning the fact that these guys can die in there. You know, they're putting their life on the line every time they step through those ropes. And then we've got people like Terry O'Connor and the British board making horrendous decisions uh, and defending it afterwards as well. I'm sure. Everyone listening will have seen Robert Smith's interview with, with IFL. And um, a big shout out to Oscar Bevis as well, because Oscar has not been in the game too long and uh, in terms of reporting. And I think he did a, a stand-up job in, in, in those few minutes he had with Robert Smith. I, I've been behind the camera hundreds of times and it's very, very hard to put it on someone when you know there's pressure on your shoulders and there's politics involved in terms of where you can go and where you can't go, legal aspects, all those sorts of things. So I think Oscar did a fantastic job in sort of trying to pressure Robert into giving us some sort of um, good answers to it. And I, but I, I said to you guys earlier, nothing will change because um, if <laughs> if you bring down Terry, then who else comes down? You know, the the whole the whole sort of thing falls down. And, Are we all getting uh, too Terry... comfortable, Ben? Are we all getting too... is, is Terry like a bit complacent? You know, the money's flowing in. It's all a bit too too cushy. Uh, well, I, you see the, the 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 inner workings of how 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 it all works. I don't know, but he seems to be the the judge of choice to make these decisions, doesn't he? You know, um, uh, and um, <clears throat> all, all, all we really know, all the only evidence we've really got right now is that these decisions are horrendous. You know, you, you can you should go out there and look. You can find instances of when um, you know Robert Smith said it in that interview. I collect the 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 cards from the judges. You can find instances where after he's collected them, it takes a long, long time before those cards are announced, you know? And I, I, I don't know what goes on or what happens, but, uh, uh, you know, after the final bell rings, all I know is we're getting some horrendous decisions, you know? Uh, and it always seems to be um, that where the money is, uh, the decision goes, you know? Um, and it's unfortunate, you know? Um, uh, and to see it twice on one card as well, I think the only person who didn't get the decision was Case Ashrock. All, all the other, <laughs> the other two guys seem seem to seem to uh, get theirs. Um, make of that what you will, but it's. Um, Do you think yeah, Ashrock should have got the decision, Ben? No, no, no. I don't think he should have got the decision. And I know Case. Case lives around the corner from me. Uh, know him on a personal level. Know him interviewing him from interviewing him in the sport. Um, really, really nice kid. He's, to be honest with you, Matchroom have done a terrible job with Case Ashrock. And it's primarily down to the fact that he doesn't really sell tickets. He's not got a massive broad appeal, you know. Um, uh, so, so because of that, they haven't really given him any shine. I put it on Eddie's toes once after um, I was on the crawl undercard. Um, I think it might be when he beat Joe Ham, was it? I can't remember. But I put it on his toes like that was meant to be on. You told Kate Ashford that would be on TV. Then he's turned up and it's, not, it's, it's on Facebook Live. Why is he not getting TV? He's not got TV time once. Why? And Eddie really didn't like the question. And he said to me, oh, he's not done enough, you know? And in a quite sort of 
spiteful way. And I know Eddie is probably the person I've interviewed the most. And when I said that to Eddie, I knew Eddie got pissed off with me for asking that question. He didn't like it. And he sort of thought about it for a second, tried to backtrack a bit um, because he realized, shit, that Casey's my fighter. I shouldn't really um, sound too negative. Um, but the simple matter of the fact is they haven't really done much with him. They haven't given him any shine. They haven't given him any real promotion. Um, you know, uh, he, he changed trainers, um, uh, obviously, just before this camp. He's been training down at Loughborough University and he just signed with 258 Management, of course, which is Anthony Joshua's uh, team. So, so there's a lot of changes for him. Um, and, and I don't know who made the decision, this opponent, but... Um, obviously turned out to be a bad decision in the end and uh uh you know i i think from from that fight we'll just touch on that fight quickly you see adam smith's tone in that fight you know when you watch adam smith commentate uh you know when sky of course seem to have an agenda they seem to really pile it on a fighter um and he really seemed to pile negative sort of comments upon upon case ashback last night maybe maybe i feel a bit biased because i know case but I, I seem to think that Adam's been a bit, a bit negative, a bit overly negative here. You know, usually when there's a home fighter, they'll try and, they'll try and um, hide the fact that they're being sort of dominated or not doing so well in the fight. But he seemed to really pile it on. He didn't, he didn't seem to do anything like that when Ward was fighting or, you know, in any of the other fights. But he really seemed to, to pile it on for, for a case last night. And I've noticed him do that in certain instances. Um, it seems to be it's a common trick, I suppose, throughout the industry. But um, I just thought it's a quite pertinent to, to how things went down for Kess last night. I don't think uh, it'll be an easy road back for him now either. No, I think they're doing a job with Kesh Ashfak the same way they're doing a job with um, uh, Faruqi. Uh, not Faruqi, that's Ben Faruqi there. They're not doing a job with him. Maybe they are. I don't know. It could be on an undercard soon. Kesh Farouk was the one I was thinking of there. They need to do better with these boys, to be honest. Ozzy, I know you're going to go in on Terry O'Connor. I'm going to stick up for Ritson slightly here. Because I'm mm -hmm. going to blame the, the Bean Masons. If Ritson was a favourite of the Bean Masons, they wouldn't have even mentioned it last night. Everyone's tapping them on the back, going, oh, great job. They, sh they said, you know, it is. They called him out on the... He's obviously not one of the favourites, is he, Ritson? You know, because whenever Crawler got a dodgy decision, because he was retiring and we all love mm -hmm. him, that, that was okay. Whenever Dillian White got his head knocked off his shoulders and was knocked unconscious, they tried to tell us that he didn't even get knocked out at all. So these people will defend you to the hilt. The fact that Ritson got sold out last night was the fact that he's not... The Bean Masons aren't obviously... In his favour yeah yeah i agree with that and i'm never ever going to give commentators praise for calling a fight as it was i thought it was an easy fight to score i didn't think it was difficult uh, and i was amazed that uh, nick calling on the zone with alex arthur had written winning and a handful of other people had written winning but it shows when i mean fuck me you've even got the promoter coming out eddie hearn saying with uh i think vasquez won uh, and again, it wasn't a difficult fight to score. But yeah, R Ritson lost a bit of the balls when he got bashed up off that Patera, um, when he was smashing him through everybody domestically at lightweight. And then he got bashed up off of Patera. He's come back, uh, not carried the power up to 140. Uh, I I'm certainly not shooting on Ritson either. Look, it's not his fault. He's not scored the fight. He's not done anything wrong whatsoever. It's not him. It's... It's just one of them. It, it happens. He's got a favourable decision. Um, look, he's gone off this, what his corner have said. Um, they were adamant he won as well. That happens. Um, the, the one that deserves criticising is Terry O'Connor. 100%. It is a disgraceful card 
what was submitted last night. An absolute disgrace. And it's like he's gone in and he's filled out the card already. It's not. He may as well have not even bothered watching it. How he can score in 117-111 to Lewis Ritson is absurd. Absolutely absurd. There is no logic behind it whatsoever. Nothing. Michael, Ale- Michael Alexander's card of 115-113, I don't accept that either. I, I just don't see how Ritson can be awarded the fight. Um, but for Terry O'Connor, it's a joke, absolute joke. And he's been he has been repeatedly doing this now for for years, years. Just the same night in on a fight on the undercard, he had Thomas uh, Ward beating Thomas Asomba, 88-84. Again, absolute bullshit. A, tra- a travesty of a card. A travesty of a card. Um, it should have been the other way around. That's what it should have been to a somber. It was a travesty of a card. Simply awful. But nothing happens. Nothing happens whatsoever. But Robert Smith's interview on IFL TV was a joke. It was embarrassing. He clearly didn't care. It's like he stood in front of the camera because he had to, not because he wanted to. Fair enough. Um, the, the picture looks like he was on a mobile phone. They're going to do some investigating. He'll probably come back and it says he wasn't on a mobile phone. But what's going to happen? Because he's been O'Connor's been doing this for years now, and nothing ever happens to him. He reappears. He might have you know like a month off or something, and then he reappears officiating the big fights. He's out of shape. He can't get in. You know when he's refereeing, he can't get in and out quick enough. He makes a mess of stoppages. Is he still refereeing, Ozzy? Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, is he still, still referees well. Yeah, Fat Terry still referees. Is he? Uh, I thought that was. Yeah. I thought he had first to retire. Yeah, he's been for a while. I'm wondering. Yeah, I'm sure. No, I'm sure he's maybe still abroad. Maybe abroad, mate. Maybe abroad, but I'm sure he's hit the age for the for uh, for the board to retire for officiating. But he might be able to work abroad. I'm sure. Is that what oh, you're thinking about? Let me just pull up his. Um, quite possibly, I'm sure he's refereed recently. Though, anyway, that's beside the point. I'll check it in a minute. Can I just can I just say something, Ozzy? I just want to yeah, say one thing. Like, if you take it, if, obviously O'Connor is to blame in the sense that it's his scorecard. But I think personally, I think the bigger picture, um, it's big. It's bigger than Terry O'Connor, you know. Uh, and there's a problem. That's a fucking you know? challenge as well, because Terry O'Connor's a big bloke. <laughs> but yeah, you, you, you know what I mean. I, I, we we obviously don't have any evidence to sort of support that claim, but but um. But the consistency of this, which this happens, uh, and and the way in which the cards always fall, there's a, there's only uh, you know you always, you always say who benefits Kibono, or who benefits. Oh, it's, always, it's always the big promoters who benefit from this. Of course oh, it is. Yeah. Like, just to let you know, mate, uh, I found that thing. So he last refed a fight on 19th of September 2019 when Luther Clay beat Dario Morello in Italy. Right, yeah, so he can still get abroad then, yeah, but might not be able to uh, officiate in the UK anymore. But he should be struck off. It's as simple as that. He should be struck off. This fight should be... Um, it's going to be interesting to see because when, when you've got the, the promoter of the show coming out, and it's not as if Vasquez is his fighter either. Um, that's not... Nothing's changing there. This, this should be rescored. Um and it should be overturned without a doubt, annulled, it should be anything. Uh, and it would set a stance. Bob Arum last night said about Julie Lederman that if if she is appointed to any of his cards, he's going to complain and get kicked off because of her card last night. 
it'll be interesting to see if Eddie Hearn or Frank Warren come out and say that because that's the only way I think we'll see stuff happen. It's jobs for the boys. Paul Connor's been fucking up for years, but he's still about he's 67. I mean, the, the bullshit argument, oh, well, that the closest to the ring and they've got one view. They've got one view. And it was a travesty of a card, an absolute disgrace of what he's done. And th- there'll be no explanation. There'll be nothing of it. Um, keep an eye out on the board website because it'll show whether or not um, they've been called up and Terry O'Connor is called up. But nothing will happen. It'll just be swept under that big carpet that they've got and it'll all be forgotten about until the next person comes over and gets robbed. And I said last night on Twitter, the UK as an away fighter is the worst place to come now. Not Mexico, not Spain, not Italy, not Germany, nowhere else, the UK. Whether you're an away fighter and you're based in the UK or you're travelling from abroad, it's a joke, an absolute joke. And some of the decisions we've seen recently are a travesty. And the only time rematches are forced is when the money's there and there's an agenda pushed. So Hearn did it when Crawler got beat off Linares and he decided that it was a close fight in the first fight. It wasn't, but there was cash there to be made. So they forced the rematch straight away. Sky love you, but like when they said Dillian White got back, didn't get really knocked out. He was a fucking corpse on the floor. That's what he was. Didn't just get knocked out. He was a corpse on the floor. But, but again, again, there's money to be made. He was up yeah. at eight. Or was he still hating? Yeah. Well, yeah, sorry. Yeah. My mistake. He was up eight. o'clock the next morning. But again, but look, but look, at this, look at this though. And who is involved again? And we repeat back. This time last year, Callum Smith against John Ryder. And who turned in a 117-111 card for Callum Smith? Big Terry. That Terry O'Connor. With his big yeah. fucking chippy tits. It's a joke. And he'd forget as well. Carrying cleverly yeah. back to the yeah. corner after the biggest problem. I think it's convenient for Eddie to throw Terry O'Connor under the bus now that you know doesn't suit the, the Jordy Golovkin narrative. He would in no way on the same thing as Terry O'Connor the Schmidt Ryder fight. Mm. No fucking way would he have done it, even then. There's absolutely no chance he would have done it, so everyone's, yeah, like Steve said, oh, congratulating Eddie because he called out Terry O'Connor. There's a fucking picture of the con on his phone. So at the very least, it's gross negligence across the board, but we all know it's more than Andrew O'Connor. He has form. It's just, it's it's complete corruption and it's disgusting. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no credit to the match room for calling him out on that. The fucking, the picture's gone viral on the score. And like, even, you know what's bad and they're not crazy when Macklin is coming out saying it's him Between him yeah, and Eddie, I don't know yeah. more the company man these days. Like. Yeah, please. Probably in the hurricane. <laughs> I don't want anyone to sort of buy into the Eddie Hearn rhetoric that he's spewing out of that. Oh, it's disgusting and this, that, the other. If we had, if, if, when I say we, I mean collectively we as the boxing public hadn't kicked up such a fuss about it last night, there had not been so much focus on boxing, probably due to uh, Lomachenko-Lopez, you know, they had the additional sort of, even more viewers perhaps that you're getting in the US, etc. Paying attention to everything that's going on, no way would he have said anything about that card. Only because it was so fucking bad, Eddie yeah, said something. And, and, and so do not buy into the fact that Eddie's trying, oh, he's on our side. We've got to do something to change it. Who's fucking profited the most from all these decisions over the years? Um, Frank. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's only the big promoters that, that profit from, from these guys. The guys who are paying for the shows, the guys who are putting the money into the pocket of the board and all these officials, they're the ones who profit from it. So yeah. they do not, they're not on our side. You know? I've said it, it's destroying fight nights now as well. Regardless, how many times since lockdown, when boxing has come back, have we said that it was a great fight, but again, it was ruined by poor cards. Ruined by poor cards. And that is a talking point. I think from the start of the year, we I'd say nigh on near enough every week or every other week, we were talking about poor scoring. Something has got to change. And, and it's seemingly nobody's interested in doing it whatsoever. I think the last time something happened to a judge that was made public was it when CJ Ross was struck off? Yeah, Mayweather fight. For that, for the Mayweather Canelo fight. Yeah. Aside from that, oh, and what was the Adelaide Bird as well? Did something Remember happen the... to her? Adelaide Bird as well. Yeah, she I'll put, treat her. She, she put a shocker of a card in. Um, aside from that, nothing has happened. O'Connor should be. His license should be withdrawn. If he's fine to be on a phone, no ifs, no buts, you're off. Can you imagine sitting in a team in, 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 you know, in your office with like, all your colleagues and that? You're just sitting there on your phone with your gaffers yeah. talking and stuff. Can you imagine? Yeah. You know, you're talking about like the projection or like whatever's going to be happening for the next month and that. Talking about working and all that sort of stuff. You're like, oh, fuck this shit, I'm sitting on my phone. You know, we've seen it again though another one I was just going to say to me see back listen I've read some stuff about boxing news going back to the 50s and that I was talking about an old fight in Scotland and that there was a situation where you know, an area board official was not happy with a handling of a fight and back in them days there was no judges it was like the referee was the sole arbitrator and the sole scorer of the fight you know if they weren't happy about a handling of a referee doing a fight it would get put to the board and quickly they were either you know they're called A star referee. They would mm. they would lose that A star status, which allows you to basically kind of like officiate British title fights. It puts you back doing the kind of like area level or non title fights and stuff. But there's there's nothing like that. And this is like within two weeks. This will just drag. When as you say, it's every yeah. week. You know, okay, with, with a bad result in Germany recently with Kolkai and the Barrio, for example. But you know, Germany hasn't even holding the you know the same number of cards, uh, the, the, the same level, mm. kind of uh, like Matchroom's doing. You know, you can leave your know, top ranks had discussing cards. Pacquiao, Bradley, for example, uh, you know the, the first fight. Mexico's probably had its problems now, but there's nowhere near as bad at the minute as it as it, you know the UK. We mentioned Kovalev, uh, Dave Lee posted up a, a shot there. Danny Williams fighting that way with, mm. with low blows. Terry O'Connor, uh, you know, doing fights. The fat mess once shouted out for a, a corner to throw in a towel so he could wipe the floor because there was too much water in the centre ring. He couldn't bend down to wipe it up, so he used the towel with his feet to dry the ring and kicked it out the ring. Andy, am I right in saying, he, did he fall over once? Was it Carl Frotch against Michael Monaghan and he, he fell over yeah, and broke his I. leg, I think? I think he did, I know you mentioned that, actually. But the thing is, Big Terry should know better. Big Terry fought. He was a heavyweight. He was a heavyweight amateur back in the day. He should know better. I mean, you're sitting at your fucking place of work. You're a professional yeah. judge. Yeah. At ringside at a professional fight. National television. It's lackadaisical. It's lackadaisical as well because he, he's just comfortable knowing nothing happens. And like I said, if he's found to have been on that phone, fuck him off. Make an example of him. But we've seen it again. Look, MTK are big players in the game now. They've benefited from it. Fucking, they got the final they wanted. Tyrone McKenna, O'Hara Davis. Who was the poor sod? Mohamed Mamouni. Pissed the fight against Tyrone McKenna. 
pissed it. And fair play to him, he kicked off. He went ballistic. And even Victor Lachlan, who again has turned in some poor fucking cards in the past 18 months, turned round to the announcer and looked flabbergasted when it was announced McKenna had won. Um, and Chaz Coakley, Kieran McCann, and Marcus McDonald all scored it to Tyrone McKenna. And again, it just you don't need to be, it's just your away corner. Fucking Tasha Jonas against Terry Harper. It was convenient for Terry Harper to win that fight. Tasha Jonas winning was a bit of a disaster, really, a bit of a disaster. And she got, she didn't get one card on that. And no, fair enough, it was closer. But for oh no, she did get one card. John Latham gave it to her by a point, I think it was. But it was close. But I tell you what, if there was a winner in the fight, it was Tasha Jonas. And to score it to and Ian John Lewis is another one who should be investigated because his his judging is horrendous as well. And we bang on about, you know, the officials we've got, how good they are. Yeah, we've got a top standard of officials. All we do is talk about them for being pot poor. For not doing you know, anything right. For, you know, it was for another not card, anything. was it? Um, Zach Kelly versus Jack Cullen. That was another disgusting one. Uh, just, just for recent times as well. Yeah, um, the cows, cows argue, man, Fredo stoppage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, does what? You know, we we talk we talk about mainly Terry O'Connor here and saying one or two other names, but there's people we highly respect that <laughs> I I know they've said to people who managers who've complained about the decision. Or the scorecards. If it wasn't me, it would be someone else. Mm. You know, and that tells you everything you need to know about what goes on, um, you know, behind the scenes uh, at boxing. Up until you know, at the highest levels, from from the area level all the way up to the top, this is the sort of thing that we see regularly. It's disgusting. Do you know what I've I said believe Ben is being so unprofessional, um, calling into the pod when he's out and about walking around. <laughs> we'll do that. Who do you think he was texting, Rob? What was fa- what was Terry doing on the phone? What do you think he was doing? He was he was texting Connor Goals, congratulating on his two goals yesterday. He could have been forwarding on the fucking Rangers Celtic lesbian pawn, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was the A side, baby. She was the A side. Premier League is better than Scottish football. Hmm. <laughs> I've said what should happen though now. I've I've said for a while that I, I think ringside judging is outdated. I think when there's crowds there, judges are too easily influenced. You know the reaction of, you know, for example, you see when uh, one of the Smith brothers fights, the Smiths sit in the corner behind the judges, and everything that's popped out as a shot, uh, they they what's it called? They you know they're up in arms. You know going mad. Scott Cardle's dad was a bad one for it. Every shot that landed, he was up in arms. You know going mad. So I, I've said I would remove judges from ringside, and I, I would put them uh, in the arena in you know like one of the one of the boxes, uh, like soundproof booth type of thing, and they have a monitor and they watch it on a monitor so they get the best angle they can. They basically get the TV angles type of thing. They don't see the replays. Naturally, you know, because that can be tailored to one fight or the other. You don't have any commentary and you just watch the fight. You see everything then. And I'd be interested to see what you get back off that. Because naturally, from ringside, you only get one angle and you're looking around and things like that. Um, from, I, I wonder if that would work. Now, I know it wouldn't work at all levels. I mean, it's going to be difficult, you know, like fucking small hall shows and stuff. It's not going to be easy. But... 
and I know every fight matters. But for you know, for your bigger cards that can afford to do it, why not? Uh, something's got to change. Something has got to change. And I don't buy all this bullshit of, you know, like recently retired fighters should be brought in to do it. Because why should they? I've seen some of the... But clearly biased as well. Look at my yeah. card sometimes. Yeah, stuff yeah like exactly. Nelson, Nelson exactly, but his opinions and stuff, yeah. or Usyk's are, you know, Bell used uh, technically better than Usyk, for example. That type yeah. of stuff, you know. Yeah, some, some, of the, some of the opinions and scorecards that we've seen from ex-pros are horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And just because you put a pair of gloves on does not mean that you can score a fight better than somebody else. But for me, something has got to change. And now the board can come out of this looking extremely well if they act on what has gone wrong with Terry O'Connor. But sadly, I think we'll see him in the ring in, you know, in what, in probably a month's time. He wouldn't shock me if he gets appointed to go and fucking officiate at the... Um, in the Daniel Dubois card, it really wouldn't. Yeah. And what, what, what a waste that'd be. There's a petition it, so go and sign it for whatever good it does. Uh, but again, it'll be jobs for the boys, as, as everything is said, man. It's just, it's just disgusting. Mm. Only just going to keep. You know, it's the same faces all the time. You, you, you see the fresh faces in that as well, I mate. Mean, I seen the, I seen some of the the boys up at uh, Cash Farouk against McGregor, for example, and they, uh, there were some fresh faces there. Uh, but they weren't getting involved, or they weren't involved with uh, the main event, for example. They were doing the undercard. But why not just put them in the fire? Sometimes you know, you know, put two experienced judges in at a main event and put one of the lesser known guys or persons into the into the, into the front seat and just see how they go. Trial by error, you know, end of the day, but. Again, that's maybe unfair to say a trial by error because we want to get the right scorecards. Well, we're not getting them now, are we? So, I mean, no. <laughs> he can't do any worse. Well, <laughs> I, I know. Let's okay, for example, we had recent what fights was it actually when we had the judges sitting ringside with the um, the head guards on, no, the head guards, the, the ear defenders on. Oh, yeah. Was that the Super was, Series, wasn't it? I'm sure it was. It wasn't that long ago, was it? It was, so, a, it was a W, wasn't it a WBC thing? Was it that thing Vanda Holyfield did? I can't remember. I'm sure WBC said something about doing that. Maybe uh, it was more recent. No, ah, more recent fight. Ah, it was a professional mm. fight. I'm sure. I don't. I don't mean the Vanda Holyfield fight. I mean he did that tournament with the WBC. And I can remember. Uh, I would... went over for it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a few months ago. I, uh, I think. Yeah. I remember Joe Cortez once saying. I think he got asked a question about judging and stuff. And he once said that uh, the best way, if you're going to have judges ringside, would be having them in an elevated position. Looking mm-hmm. down on the ring rather than being sitting because you know yourself, if you're sitting ringside, you're basically sitting like a worm's eye view. You're looking up, you've got to look through the ropes, you've got to look well, look through corner posts and stuff like that. So, if you're elevated without that type of thing, I think you would, you would get a better dimension, shall we say, a better angle look at how punches are landing. Because you can yourself, if you're sitting at one angle at ringside and stuff like that, you miss certain things, especially the actions across the ring, for example, you know. Right, boys, let's uh, move on then, shall we? Episode 395, Andy is with us, Rob Kelly, Ben Fruki, and Ozzy Smith. Smido seems to have disappeared. Uh, ben, one from you here. D-Dog has got in touch alongside Marcus Bellinger. Both have requested uh, the intel on Big Prince Patel's fight over in Tanzania. Give it a full review of the belt, of the boat even. Hashtag strap season, Ben. What went down in Tanzania? You know what? Uh, I got sent this before it sort of uh, sorry, got released there by... Uh... By, by Tim's account there, but I I, I um I didn't I didn't have the balls to sit through and watch it all because uh, you know I, I respect my mental health more than to watch that all. But um, I noticed that what one thing they had done was uh, was uh, uh, cut cut Prince Patel's uh, reaction at the end. So when the actual scorecard gets announced, it's sort of cut and then it 
you know, when the when the video resumes, it's sort of Prince Patel looking over the ropes and, and very upset. Um, so other than that, I've just spoken to uh, Oliver McManus, I think his name is. Uh, writes for, for a few different outlets. And uh, uh, so he's been in touch with the... Uh, with Innocent Everest, so uh, I'll see if Oliver can get him on get him on the pod for us, and we'll get the, uh, the post uh, report from him. I sent Steve his phone number. Oh, I, I, mentioned, I was talking to Oliver as well. He sent me his phone number. I sent it to you, Steve. Sorry, Andy, I didn't even see it, man. Listen, you want to try him live now? Then I've got his number here. I'll post it in chat for you. Friggin' hell! There we go. Hey, this is my first, but he did see his English is a wee bit kind of patchy, like so. Absolutely. Let's have a hang, bit hang of a minute. Where's where's Tell you what, I'll drop him a WhatsApp message now, see if he wants to come on, and then we'll see if we can get him before the end, okay? There we go, this is what I'm talking about. This is action, I'd, see if we can climb Everest before the end. I'd live in on the spot, this is what it's all about. This could be know. the greatest phone call since I tried to ring Brown well, at that time. I was, was going to say, mate, you should maybe just put the Patreon money and just phone them up, you know, we'll give you all the cash this month just to pay your phone bill. Who was you it know? I rang? Was it Jerry Belmontes and ended up with a £70 bill or something? <laughs> 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 on that note, we have Super Chat activated oh, tonight. Have we? Yeah, 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 Super yeah, Chat, come on, boys. Give us a Super Chat. Why are you getting a Where's, a dick, where's Father Dick Byrne when you need him? Uh, okay, then Rob, question for you while I try and get in touch with Error Innocent. Innocent until proven guilty. Ryan Deal has thrown this in for you, Rob. He said, Boatsy, Joshua Boatsy to Virgil Hunter, I reckon. Too easy to hit with the right hand. Anyone with a bit of a punch will be happy to fight him after the last showing. He has similar attributes to Andre Ward. Strong athlete and tight offensive puncher. If he can get some of the same defensive now, so he could be a quality fighter. That's, a, that's an awful shout. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think Virgil Hunter hit a lot over with Andre Ward. I think I don't think he's, he's um, recreated that form with any other fighter. As far as I can see, a lot of the fighters he had he hasn't actually done that well with him. Um, I think he did he have Angulo on stage. I think he had Angulo didn't do so well. Can they box really well against Canelo till they got knocked out? Look, I don't know. I think Virgil Hunter is a good coach. Is Boatsy going to go to the US and train over there? I don't know. Is that the talk? Like, I, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see him making that trip, to be honest with you. Okay, uh, Andy, question for you coming in from Sean Namas Vidal. In terms of Cash Farouk, I think Eddie signs boxers sometimes, not because he wants them to, but to make sure Frank doesn't get them shit business, but what uh, business, but makes sense. So do you think that uh, Eddie's trying to block people from these guys? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Um... It's been a, a kind of habit. He kind of signs fighters, doesn't really know what to do with them. Cash being prime example. Um, maybe it's a wee bit unfair because I'm trying to remember now. Cash McGregor was, was it late last year, so we had the pandemic and that's so been un, unable to get to get fights and stuff. But what uh, I was talking to Andy McCart, he he believes uh, the reason he came off the card was because it was uh, opponent related, and he will be on the Usyk Zora card. So when's that? Two weeks time, I think it is. So. Um, it's just, but it's be good to see him fight again. Actually, uh, I, I didn't want to see him going up to like one twenty two. And he's a one eighteen fighter. That's where he should be fighting. Um, he's clearly going to need a, a couple of fights and stuff because I don't know where they're going to go at the minute. They're going to go European, which McGregor's getting. So his his options are going to be kind of slightly limited. But I think he he kind of gets himself into kind of six eight rounders, eight rounder minimum. Yeah, just get the rust off and just kind of keep active and start from, just kind of wait for an opportunity. But uh, I think uh, my personal opinion, and again, people are going to say I'm hating on Eddie and that, but I think he's 
cash to the side with Frank actually because you see what he's doing at the minute again. You know, okay, his cards are no fantastic, Frank's they're, 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 they're shit, but um, at least he would be fighting kind of domestic operation and maybe even the chance of kind of some sort of ranking and body belt. It's something to keep, keep, keep him active, unfortunately, but uh, it's just it is what it is at the minute and that. But I don't know how long his deal is and stuff, but uh. Let's just hope he's active soon, and hopefully that Chisora uh, opportunity on that bill comes through for him as well. Can, can I just say I think I think Eddie does do that, Steve. I think I, I was having this conversation with uh, with Eamon as well earlier this week, was saying like uh, Callum Johnson, do, the, the, Johnny Nelson shitting on him is is absolutely ridiculous, and that's just more um, talking for his boss rather than his own opinion as usual. Um, Callum Johnson, they've, Joe, Joe Gallagher's tried to make those fights from. I've been to that gym loads of times. I've had Callum and Joe tell me personally the fights they've tried to get Yard, Buatse, all these other ones, never comes off. Eddie doesn't really try for them. Or or the, when I say that, Eddie doesn't give the effort that he will give other people, you know, because he, he has his own agenda. And I think it's the same with Cash Rook. He saw that fight. Cash Rook should have won that fight. Okay, um, I can see a potential thing for me to do there in the future, perhaps a rematch with them. It'll make me some money. Maybe I can win some belts with him. But I don't really have to give him all the attention that I'd give some other fighters. And plus, I'm stopping MTK. I'm stopping uh, 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 Frank. I'm stopping any of the smaller guys from even breaking through with a fighter like that or making you know some extra money with a fighter like that. Um, and I think it happens across the board. Um, another fighter who I believe is still living up at your neck of the woods, Andy, Mohamed Rasim, he was signed by MTK. What the hell have they done with him? He fought uh, Muthalani for a world title. And then I think he's had one show out in Dubai since he went to MTK. I know he was in a horrendous sort of contractual deal before, um, but but they've not done anything with him. And he's a fantastic talent. You, I spoke to... Um, uh, uh, Mayweather when I was in the um, in the gym in, in uh, uh, for Fury Wilder two and and he was like besides Floyd this is the best fighter I've I've um, I've um, I've ever had you know I've ever trained um, and just speaking of what his work I think he's like what what have MTK done with that fighter he's just sat there on the sidelines I think it happens way too much it's like the big football clubs this is what I said to him it's like the big football clubs who will sign. Like, you know, your Chelsea's and, and Man City's and stuff, they sign these players, sit them on the bench, they never do anything. And then when they really do get a chance to sign, sometimes they, uh, sometimes like Mohamed Salah, they, they, um, they you know, uh, amaze the world. And other times they just set out their careers on the bench, never doing for call. It's a wasted talent. No word back from Innocent just yet. I've messaged him, he hasn't responded. I'll keep you updated on that one. Hopefully get him on before the pod finishes. I'll throw a couple out then, boys, if anybody wants to comment on them. First of all, uh, decent show, Andy. Saturday, the 24th of October next week. Sergo Lipinitz was supposed to be fighting Abdu Kokorov at one point. Kostio Clayton's jumped into that one. I think Abdu Kokorov was having visa issues, the old visa issues in boxing or something. Uh, Xavier Martinez going against Claudio Marrero. And Malik Hawkins against Subiel Matias. That's a good That's a good um, fight from the PBC there. Also, Andy, over in Mexico, then if you've got any interest on Friday night, Estrada, Cuadras, yeah. Gonzalez, Gonzalez, and Martinez looking for an opponent. Any value amongst those two shows? Yeah, well, obviously, I've been watching uh, Roman Gonzalez, obviously, as you know, a ride and die with the guy in that, but obviously the opponent, yeah, okay, it is what it is, but the guy who should have got the decision against Calia Fine Monaco is, you know, Gonzalez's return opponent, you know, with the pandemic and that. It is, again, it is what it is and that. I suspect Gonzalez, I'm not going to say anything, but I expect Gonzalez to win. Because this year has just been an absolute clusterfuck for my predictions and stuff. It's just way off the charts, man. You know, there's, you know, it's crazy. I mean, like as I say, you had guys on the Sky Show there last night. The guy Charlton 
you know, fair play to him, for example, coming in there and upsetting the odds as such. You know, saying that this is his kind of atmosphere. You just don't know, eh? But I, I, I'm suspecting Gonzalez to win. Um, Australia and uh, Quadras might be a tighter affair. You know, Quadras might be off that, mate. Is it? Well, Steve has mentioned that. What's happening here? Because Cesar Martinez was meant to be fighting. Uh, what's his name again, Steve? Yeah, so Julio Martinez is... Oh, Maximino player. Flores. Sorry. Ah, it's at Flores, aye. He's out with coronavirus, and mm-hmm. Quadros has, um, has registered a positive test. Um, but all of his other teams have... Yes, yeah. So they're trying to say that it's a false positive. No, nothing's come out for a couple of days, but look, it's, it's happening on Friday. So yeah. So quickly. Um, and there's something wrong with these commissions in Mexico as well. That's going to be off as well, uh, because Quadras will be naturally ruled out because of the virus. The other thing as well is because as we've seen, used to, a lot of these Mexican shows are coming up uncommissioned or, or unsanctioned because the commission is somehow no involved, or I don't know what it is. But that's why they have been since it came back, Andy. Right back to uh, Navarrete, wasn't it? I think it was the first one. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, right? So what happens if Quadras is out? I don't know how much. I mean, oh, I mean Gonzalez said that you know, until it was a strider. I can't. Who ever said that it was like eighty, ninety percent made the rematch between Gonzalez and the Surely they can maybe push this back a few weeks, get the two of them to fight, and give Martinez against Gonzalez a catchweight fight, save the card a wee bit. You know, it's maybe pushing it back a couple, of, you know, a couple of weeks. And that maybe the weight might be an issue, and that try and take it back off. But. If Quadras is out, that car's got to sink, surely, because, you know, perfect Gonzalez, there's nobody else got a fight according to Box Rate. The likes of Gonzalez, he needs to just go in right now. They need to put him in against the strider. Stop pissing about with all these stupid fights and get them in against each other. Neither of them yeah. are getting any younger, especially Chocolatito. Estrada's the kind of guy who can jump straight in without all these intermediate fights. In the current climate, they need to just get it on, I think. Def- well, definitely. I mean, it's a fight that's it's been meant to have been, well, been calling for a rematch for the last... What, Best part of three years. Uh, you know, Estrada's had his own injury problems and that as well. He's had his gimme fights, but he's also had you know some solid defences. He had the the loss to Ring Versailles and they come back and won the rematch. But uh, he's up in age as well. He's thirty. Best part of about forty five fights in him at least. Mm, yeah, it's going to happen soon, but uh, it's maybe a bit. It's a bit much to ask him to jump into the a rematch just for, you know, for us coming Friday as I say if Quadras is definitely out that card's got to sink it's definitely it's got to you unless Gonzalez is rather going to go to happen but uh, you would think uh, I'm sure I read somewhere as well as that fight had was hoping to get fans in for it as well was it was it late December early January I forget when it was I need, I need to, to forget about that. fans at the moment I think yeah definitely nobody knows what's going on get him in who cares if it's Friday remember Vitaly Klitschko coming in against Lennox Lewis whenever um, he, he was that fat guy Kirk oh, oh, Kirk Johnson him? Kirk Johnson pulled out come on man uh, yeah but it's a season you know, different <laughs> era back then in them days you know so you just you just wonder as well as Gonzalez is rather I mean if their own weight you know, if Quadras is out, why not just give Gonzalez and Estrada, you know, 50 50 of the Quadras' purse and just pay Gonzalez and Martinez or uh, whatever they're getting paid to, uh, to have a catchweight fight? And then Gonzalez, well, I don't know, it's, unf- it's just there's too many variables because obviously Martinez is WBC flyweight jump, Gonzalez is getting a shot at a world title as well. So would he want to take a step back for that? He might say no. So who knows? This is a fucking problem because I was, I was convinced Quadras was going to be fine. 
Quadras, no party, no spotty back. Spotty back on display last night, not going to throw any accusations out. Talking of accusations, Aussie, Lewis Kelly threw in a question rather than an accusation. Love a bit of Joe Gallagher on this pod. Is Joe Gallagher, Aussie, pricing is stable out of fight, says Lewis Kelly. Only Natasha and Hosea have fought during the lockdown and it feels like these fights would have been um, would have been harder not to make. No Liam or Callum Smith, no Callum Johnson. What the fuck is he doing? He's always moaning about his fighters not getting the credit they deserve or being overlooked, but they're not fighting. Can he not see if they're not fighting, they're quickly becoming irrelevant? Am I missing something? Yeah, to, to a certain extent. I, I think had Callum Johnson had the opportunity to box, he would have done. Um, for some of them, yes. It, it was evident what was revealed last night between... Hearn and Gallagher that Gallagher has basically stopped Natasha Jonas from boxing in November on that female card um, because what it boils down to is a purse. Uh, Callum Smith um, won't fight because he, he, he wants top dough and he's not a pay-per-view fighter and the money's not there. Billy Joe Saunders is taking. So I know for a fact Billy Joe Saunders has basically said, look, I will box, fine, don't get me any decent opponents because I'm not fighting top level opponents for shit money, basically. So he says, I'll fight, but I'm not fighting, you know, like you, the likes of Callum Smith and stuff, because why should I? You, you've brought me over saying you're going to pay me big dough and you can't do it now. Uh, Smith, I, th- I think he's just, I don't think he's interested. I think unless you dangle, you know, a huge big check in front of him. I think he can take it or leave it. I think he's earned that much money from the uh, Super Series. He'll happily walk away. I, I, I really do. Uh, but yeah, Gallagher's a problem. Promoters have called him out on it before. It, it's greed. And look, I know he looks to get the best deal, but sometimes he, he's too unrealistic um, because he's got a vetted interest because he manages a lot of these fighters as well, not just a trainer. Um, and I, I genuinely believe that. Yeah, I think they miss out on so many opportunities because he sticks his nose in uh, and gets too greedy. I mean, look what we said about Liam Smith last week. Um, completely forgotten about. Completely forgotten about. He he jumped over, left Frank, and Liam Will- he beat Liam Williams twice. And who is the more well-known and having the better career now? It's Liam Williams. Liam Smith is just a forgotten man. Sits on the sideline. Ben can probably shed a bit more notice about, you know, any updates on Liam Smith. But, look, he, he was told he was going to get the big fights. His biggest fight has been Sam Eggington. And how long ago was that now? 18 months? 12, 18 months, something like that. And there's no fight on the horizon for him. And I ultimately believe it boils back down to Gallagher, who, again, he wants, the per- he wants massive dough for shit opponents or he wants huge, huge money for opponents that he's not 100% sold on. Uh, talking of Callum Smith, Ozzy, just quickly, a friend of the pod messaged me and he said pretty much what you said there. The World Boxing Super Series created such a serious uh, financial distortion for these non-pay-per-view super middleweight fights. You know, the likes of Callum Smith was absolutely raking it in. So why would you sort of drop down monetarily? He hasn't really fought in anybody. Fought anybody. Hasn't got any top-level wins, in my opinion, really, aside from Groves on the record. But he made such serious money. You can see why he's sitting out. Exactly, yeah, exactly. He's got massive, massive money. Um, he's earned a fortune, probably more than a lot of fighters will ever, ever will. So he'll, he'll just sit and wait now for you know a massive payday. That Canelo fight was never going to happen. 
So, you know, that's your biggest payday on offer. The the what's it called fight between um Smith and Saunders, they both think they deserve massive money. It's not gonna the cash isn't there because there's no gate. I don't think it would sell anyway, to be honest. They're both hardly big ticket sellers. I, I wouldn't be rushing to get a ticket to that sort of fight. Yeah, it's decent, but I don't think it's tremendous. Um you know, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and again, you, you look at Smith's performances since he's come back. He's fought crap. He bought he, Hassan and Dam, who was rubbish. He got beat off John Ryder. And then it's the reaction to that. Gallagher does himself no favours, rejecting, you know, well, what about a rematch? No, why are we talking about this? We want big fights. We want big fights. The biggest fight available for Callum Smith now is a John Ryder rematch. And I don't think they'd go anywhere near that. I just say as well as there's 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 another thing as well as you know his titles you know after a while with inactivity is going to become an issue does he end up getting forced to fight or does he just vacate the belts or does he get stripped? I want to know why there's been no talk of any mandatories. The one thing he's trying to worm his way into now actually is he's trying to get put into that number one spot against Avni Yildirim, you know, for that vacant WBC title because of the Canelo, you know, like law thing or something like that. Um, so you've got... Diamond belt, aye. Yeah, exactly. But how... how That diamond belt is, isn't worth a carrot. It's a waste of time. Um, how how can a world, you know, the, the WBA super champion be then installed as a number one, you know, like a number one challenger? Well, it's as bad as last night, Aussie, with the WBC franchise. I thought you didn't... Lopez take control of it, even though you weren't supposed to lose it in the ring. Someone was saying that on Twitter earlier. Yeah, so, he ended up with two WBC belts here last night, but it was never it was never mentioned in box right that it was a WBC title was on the line. <sighs> so yeah, so who knows what it is? But yeah, I mean, it sums him up in a nutshell, though, doesn't it? Yeah, won't rematch John Ryder, won't take any other fights. But yeah, you you try and get me a fight against Avni fucking Yildirim. I mean. Fuck's sake! And don't come out with this bullshit of oh yeah, I want to win the belt and stuff like that. He never wanted to win that belt because he fucked off into that super series. Well, it was you not know, a one challenger for all the best part yeah. of two years. I was going to say, do you remember they were chasing Badu Jack for ages? They had a final eliminator against um, that Hadila Mohammadi. Fought shite in the run up, just crap. I remember he fought Luke Blackledge. Uh, and then after that, he got an opportunity to go in. I don't mind him going into that tournament, by the way. But for him to say that, you know, they wasted and rotted around for ages, went for this WBC shot, then fucked it off. And now, because there's nothing on the horizon, they say, oh, we've been, you know, like ranked highly by the WBC for so long because, you know, of this situation, we deserve our shot. You don't deserve fucking anything. Absolutely nothing. Why should they just waltz into that shot now? I mean, Avni Yildirim shouldn't be in that fucking position anyway. John Ryder deserves more of a shot against Avni Yildirim than Callum Smith does. Smith shouldn't be, you know, able to hold that diamond belt when um, he's got another legit world title. It's not as if he's holding the IBO belt. That WBC diamond belt should be discarded. I mean, what is it? What is it? What is it? What, what, what does that title do for you? Where does it rank you? What's the point of it? Bullshit, isn't it? It's as yeah, worthless it's, as diamonds themselves. Yeah, exactly. It's bollocks. It's absolute bollocks. So, yeah, it, it says it all. If Callum Smith was to retire tomorrow, 
would he, would any of you be disappointed? Because I wouldn't be. I'd just look back and say he's not really got that standout career win. George Groves is his best win, and, and Groves had a dodgy shoulder. Um, bar that, he's fought, you know, just a, a complete, you know, mismatch of opponents, poor, struggled with some opponents as well, Scogland, Holskin, then he fights the likes of Hassan and Dam. He, he, he's another UK fighter that, for me, has been poorly mismanaged, really poorly mismanaged. And the, getting him in the tournament, I think he was approached to go into that tournament. And that's just a case of winning. I thought he got fought, you know, in the run of opponents he had. Um, it would have been interesting to see him against Bremer. I think he would have beaten Bremer. But then fucking Bremer pulls out and he gets a walker <laughs> against that bloody kickboxer. So, yeah. Yeah. Okie doke, before we go on to Belly of the Week's wrapping, Rob Kelly, I believe you were going to jump in there. Yeah, just just while we were talking about Forgotten Mame, it just made me think of something. You know who the biggest biggest loser from Lome and Lopez is, really, when you think about it? Mikey Garcia, because it could have been him. He should have pushed for that fucking fight against Lomachenko two years ago instead of going up to fight out of Spain. So I always thought Mikey Garcia being so much bigger than he was able to compete at 140 straight punches just as good technically well not just as good technically as normal but up there and genuine power could have been him and he went chasing shadows and fucked his career up completely yeah good point from matthew there all these guys orbiting around exactly waiting for the canelo canelo ain't gonna come calling anytime soon <clears throat> excuse me i don't think so episode three and five let's go on to the value of the weeks then shall we rapping rob kelly heard him there he's with us as is andy patterson ozzy smith and ben faruqi Okie dokie, let's have a look here. What have we got then? First of all, oh no, not that one. Well, I suppose you could throw that in, couldn't you? Someone having to go at Terry O'Connor. We're big fans of that. Yet Terry himself is getting nominated by Gerwin at Seafisher32. Pretty self-explanatory information there. Joe nominating Sky Sports, doing a Black History Month skit, only to go and rob a black fighter five minutes later. Indeed, Thomas Asomba robbed against uh, Thomas Ward. Bit of a Poundland Bernard Dunn a vibe about him, Ward, but he's, he seems like a nice enough kid, so we wish him well for the future. Uh, Baggies fan one, always taking L's in and out of the football pitch. Baggies fans, Paluka Pete has nominated him. Hopefully, if Katie Taylor gets the win next month, Clarissa Shields would be a good fight for early next year. Defo, love to see that one. Okay, fair enough. I don't know if I screenshotted or not. I don't know if you saw it, Andy. Clarissa was getting stuck in after the Lomachenko find. They're calling him the greatest, and I've done this, and I've done that. The quote was was in full full voice. She was. Yeah. What about that? She's the greatest woman of all time. Pretty much. She said they were going about Lomachenko doing this and moving up divisions. And what about the quote? What about the quote, Andy? The quote. The quote. Listen, there's a. I didn't want to mention it as as a white man, but. There's an unearing or unnerving situation involving here, you know, about racism about you know, about this fight. Because I've just I've just seen a tweet there actually from some African American who has screenshotted something and tweeted it by saying, you know, this is for Lomachenko fans, and it's got a screenshot of Google, and it says Honduran, uh, Honduran, uh, you know, you know, racist comments, for example. So. You know, it's obviously the kind of bait and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of horrible to see that. I don't know if it's just because it's American culture and that, but... Fuck He's me, a banger man. anyway, Carissa Shields. The only person that mentions Lomachenko and Carissa Shields in the same breath is Carissa Shields. But you, you Rock, know what? Rocky Fielding. <laughs> <laughs> this racism thing is true, and that's when, when Rob, you mentioned what, what I was saying about Lomachenko um, uh, winning being bad and and the, the reason why I thought it was bad just was because it uh, sort of helps push these narratives that 
people are, uh, are putting out there that are just racist narratives. They don't like the fact that people are saying Lomachenko's number one because, uh, simply for the fact that he's a white fighter. I'm a person of colour. I it's fucking nonsense to say that. If, you, if you're going to judge people or only support people because they're from the same ethnic origin or else, you, you're a fucking idiot. You are, you know, if you're a good fighter, you're a good fighter at the end of the day. And, and that's all we should, that's the only way we should be judging people. But there's a massive narrative out there to only support people that come from, and it seems to be uh, especially prevalent in the, in the States, only to support people that come from your sort of background. Big that's time. completely unacceptable. We need to fucking get that out of the spot. You know? Big yes, time. I, I, I experienced that in the States and I'm talking for, I'm talking like in, um, Talking boxing with people, I get talking boxing with people. I've heard Lomachenko has a comment. Tribal man. Golovkin is not all that. I heard all that. Like, but um, I mean, Floyd's at the start. Floyd's at the middle of it all. Like, a fella like that. Like Floyd we mentioned it last week. He's he's been at it. He, yeah, he's bringing it to the forefront. Like, and and blatantly coming out saying that anybody that thinks Loma's pound for pound number one is a racist. Like, that's fucking ridiculous. And I, like, I don't. I really, really, really tweet anything about boxing or really get into you know atting fighters because who the fuck am i to add a fighter to, to criticize him really like but at the same time i couldn't let the devin haney things for him to come out and say lomachenko i i told you he was whack all along i, I, I think who i was qualified to answer him yeah i was qualified to answer him because we've on this panel all won as many world titles in the ring as devin haney has so you know, fucking shocking. Like, but it's, it's sad. We thought we talked about it on the pod millions of times. It's it's a disgrace. People that watch the sport like that are fucking disgrace. Absolutely. Yep. Exactly. Uh, shout out to Clarissa for Belly of the Week nomination. Uh, Belly of the Week for Prince Patel as well, losing to the main man Everest. Unfortunately, nothing back from Everest. Maybe he's asleep. It might be like three o'clock in the morning there or something. But uh, we haven't we haven't managed to topple Everest yet. We maybe try and get him on for next week if we can. I missed out on him during the week, unfortunately. Uh, oh, here's another banger. Danny Cassius O'Connor, whatever you call him. Unpopular, unpopular opinion. I hate people who talk shit about stuff they've never done. I get that boxing is subjective, but it proper grits my shit when you have people talking about the yes. game like they were Angelo Dundee's <laughs> apprentice and they've never laced up the gloves themselves. Uh, and Andy, how many fights did Angelo Dundee have? The you square root of zero. I went through I went through Danny Cassius Connor's timeline when I saw that tweet, and he's got so many tweets where he's talking about football and complaining about coaches and signings. I was thinking, <laughs> bit fucking. Hip- he said that was okay though, didn't he? Because he played football at a decent level. <laughs> I hope his I hope his football career is better than his box rig. <laughs> Yeah, quick one on Angelo Dundee, Andy. It was a classic comparison. It was, it? It was a classic comparison. So I says to him, well, I think I says to him, well, Angelo Dundee had never fought and that Jesus, Jesus wept over it and said, and I says, so what's, what's, what's the excuse for Tunde Ajayi? He responded and he says, Tunde's been rubbing the game for years. And I says, I saw a lot of blaggers, mate. Didn't respond to that, did he? <laughs> Good old Danny. Good form. Ricky Gravel threw that one in. I haven't seen Ricky tonight in the chat. I hope you well, Ricky. I hope he's still alive. It's always a, a bonus. Uh, Derek Chisora. War is coming, says Chisora. Sean jumped in. Bradis pressured Usyk and gave him fit. Derek's a different level when it comes to pressure. 100%. British Boxing Blogs nominated him for that. Here is the man himself, Tony. Yes. Uh, Usyk will beat every heavyweight except Fury and Joshua, <laughs> says Tony. <laughs> oh, is it that one? Or I thought you were going to give him the nomination for the the Hara Davis beef. We'll get to oh, that. Oh yeah, one I'm going to mention that in a minute. Yes. Who's Tony Bell? You'll beat. Who's world class rocket? Who? 
Who was he beat? Vicky Pales. Good old uh, Tony. Yeah, the, tell us about the O'Hara beef there, Andy, while you're at it. Actually, I haven't got a screenshot for that. What was going back and forwards? O'Hara seemed to drop a bit of bait out. Tony uh, Tony had a fighter boxing last night. Uh, do you know any more information? Well, I think he put out a tweet, was it yesterday, I think it was, Davis? He says, hey, how are you Tony? How are you doing, Tony, or something like that? Like, he spoke too highly of your man for him to get spanked today. So, did, did Tony have a fighter on the card on Saturday? I think, I think he did, but I'm not sure who he it was. Beat. He got beat. Was, was it Joe it Laws? Was Laws his no, fighter? it wasn't no. Laws, it was somebody else. Who was it, Aussie? Was it the fellow who fought Kane Baker, no? Who's that, sorry? Who was Tony Bellew's fighter on the card eh, on Saturday? Yeah, Kane Baker. Kane Baker, so he... No, he fought Ken Baker. Hey, so Tony Bellew's fighter got beat. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so I'll so tell his name. Uh, uh, Meshek Spear, he's called. Did they, they get knocked out or something like that? Got beat on points. Right, okay. So Davis has basically kind of tweeted out like your, your man's took an L on that and you keep it moving that PS music turns you into a pancake with all these pictures of Tony Lyons sparkled with his legs abreast and music laughing and all that sort of stuff and that. So Tony's come back and says, will you ever do this quitter with his WBC title at, uh, at Goodison Park and that? So it's just kind of like snowballed for there. And base, basically, Tony just went fucking full fucking tomahawk and that. Eh? He, just, he just says, I, I'll see you when I see you and all that sort of shit. So it's like, I'm, like, I'm like, Tony, Tony's... He's Tony's like he's basically the same within two minutes. Like social media isn't real, and he's raising the bar. Davis two minutes later, you know, so it's fucking brilliant. The clash of the titans. That one is in Ohio versus Bellew. But I thought Tony, I thought Tony was very company man last night. Actually, did you ever notice me talking about uh, some of the fights that was good, that was happening and stuff? Did you ever notice the wee undertones? It was the I'm sure I'm sure Anna mentioned uh, some comments on social media, for example, and Tony says, you know, kind of like brushed those off and that and says, well, you know, I don't think it was that, you know, it was that it was closer fight, wasn't it? That wider fight, for example, and that I forget that comments and that, but Tony's kind of slipping into full company man mode. He can't shut the fuck up. Did you hear him in the AFL when he said, uh, yeah, well, if uh, they were talking about potential opponents for Tyson Fury uh, for this takeover fight? And he said, uh, they said, who would you like to, to fight? And he thought about it for a second and he said, tell you what, if Frank Warren is so keen on having Dubois fight White, why doesn't he have him fight Tyson Fury? Because he's fucking contracted to fight George Hoyt, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. But like, who, like, it's like he repeats Eddie Hearn's lines uh, bar for bar now. Like last week, it was all about Joshua. Who else has done this so quick in the sport who has achieved what he's achieved Anthony Joshua when he was defending his position on Joshua beating Fury absolute uh, regurgitation of the Eddie Hearn tripe so yeah he's he's unbelievable at the moment he cannot shut the fuck up or get out of the way of a camera at Tony Bellew can, can I pad another one in for Tony Bellew Steve just while you're yeah, up yeah yeah of course we're, you can we're on Tony so Tony kind of comes out on this oh, I think it was about Thursday saying like match room this is just simple facts no, from August to December, they've done 18 shows globally. Who else is doing these kind of numbers and stuff like that, right? So, literally, so I respond, everybody responds, it's literally a top rank, right? It says, but of course, Tony's just too much uh, a company man to notice and that. But then, you know, if he's too much a company man to notice, how did they notice that five feet 
homophobic fucking flag to Canada, which hanging behind them go put up by a fucking ninja or an SAS hit squad. You know, you never saw that either, did he? He's, he's, he's too fucking blind to notice. Tell you what, he never saw either. O six fucking left hook. <laughs> <laughs> when he got iced. <laughs> Sound. I'm not the shit, holes in the ground, my style's like a chemical spill. Guys, like a chemical spill! With this! Oh, he's on the snort there, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I never seen that one before. That was classic, man. That was when the morning after Tony got iced by you, see that one. Oh, he was on wear form that day. Shout out to Porky, man. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Zeconomics has nominated uh, AJ's LucasAid Sport for Belly of the Week. Drink it humbly. There's Stay Humble, Apple versus Raspberry, Anthony Joshua, LucasAid. Drink gets you up off the canvas after you've been knocked down by Ruiz, I suppose. Uh, what's this one? Joe Fudges Kelly nominating Dusty Harrison, retweeting Smack Talk. I think even Dusty was clearing in his fight against Demetrius Andrade. On Twitter, here's Tony. Yeah, talking about the article Matchroom have put on more shows during the pandemic. Ozzy says maybe worth checking out the amount of shows Top Rank have put on. Tony, then revise your statement. Uh, this is a nomination from David Almond for George and Devin Haney. Uh, they put up a little uh, meme there saying Devin Haney every time they advertise Loma versus To for all the belts, and then Brooke sort of rolling his eyes and Devin Haney facts. You know, like trying to say I'm here as well. My little email championship. Uh, nomination for BT Boxing Sport. Can't remember who who nominated this one. Everything is there for Tommy Fury to become a world champion. John Fury, Tyson Fury, Sugar Hill Steward is some team to have around you. Tommy Fury ain't going to become a world champion anytime soon, boys. Uh, Marcus Bellinger was nominated. Bob Arum, Kel Brook is one of the elite fighters in the world. A real test for Terence Crawford. Uh, Teddy Watson is nominated. Neil Fannin and Alex Arthur. Good move, Alex. Comfortable for Ritson. Barely took a shot. Watched Vasquez run around for 12. Easy night. And Alex Arthur said, yeah, I thought it was a fight. There was one man trying to fight and the other trying to run and survive. So they both basically thought that Ritson won. And finally, Coney has nominated Joe Gallagher for claiming that Natasha Jonas is not being allowed onto Sky because of racism. So Joe's going in there on that one. Fuck off with that. It's bullshit. Do you remember when Ted Cheeseman boxed um, Scott Fitzgerald? Mm-hmm. And Cheeseman usually goes into a war. And what did Cheeseman do? He boxed on the back foot, prodded around, didn't get involved in the war. And fuck me, Sky went bulu for it. What a performance. What a tremendous style. This is excellent. Now, it's a case of one man was trying to force the fight and the other one was just boxing on, boxing on the back foot, prodding around. It's... It's a joke. It's a fucking joke. Uh, how you can say Vasquez? I like Alex Arthur as well. I think he's. De- I think he comes across really well. And he, uh, prior to that, I thought he was decent. But yeah, he can fucking swivel on that because he's, that, he's wrong. That's he's the wrong. Michael Gomez fight catching up with him, Andy. Maybe. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, he's had, he's had a few moments uh, after, <laughs> to be honest with you. But listen, see, to be honest, see, see in Ritson's case, by the way, see, likes a post all. He, he he was right about that fight, by if if Ritson with the fight post all, you know that would tell us exactly where he's at. And uh, to be honest, I don't I don't think he beats him. In fact, based off last night, he probably does actually. To be honest with you, sorry. What? Oh well, I was gonna say, fuck me. Yeah, if if he's got Fat Terry in the corner, anything's possible yeah. uh, to do that. There's, I I reckon 
I reckon there's 20 fighters that Lewis Ritson won't beat at the moment. Easy. Easy. I'd take Terry Flanagan. Yep, I agree. Fat Terry's an asset to people, I think, though. You know what I mean? British officials, man, they're more dangerous to foreign fighters than freaking COVID-19. It's it's the officials they want to be worrying about coming into the country, not contracting an illness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Baranchik, I think, could smash him up. Just destroy him. Bartholomew. Um, like I said, Catterall would destroy him. O'Hara Davis would be interesting, purely for the fact he'd be interested to see the way Davis comes to fight. Um, I didn't think he looked great against McKenna, but that'd be interesting. I think Algeria had box rings around him. Beltran would still beat him now. Uh, Yigit would beat him. Relic would beat him. Who's that European champion? Sandor Martin. He'd beat him as well. There are long, long imagine Mohammed Mamouni against Ritson. Again, if you can get a fair card, their levels, they're way off. Yeah, I don't even think they're at European level. They are a long, long way off. Okay, that's all the one I've got, boys. Any from you, Aussie, first of all? Um, we've got Bellu, all, all the Bellu ones in, haven't we? Yeah, but they do. Got, got to chuck in, got to chuck in Fat Terry. Uh, a for A for the scorecard and B for actually getting caught on his fucking phone, ring fire <laughs> during the fight. Can I just jump yeah. in there with Yossi as well, mate, and just mention the petition that's getting asked to be signed because just, just, just again for the listeners and people who are going to listen back to us, just, just remember this, just for like mathematical reasons, one judge had Ritson winning this fight nine rounds to three. Mm. No, if he if he if he had misheard me, say it again loud. Nine rounds to three to Lewis Ritson. Hello, Ritson, rolling on. Uh, ben, any nominations from you? Uh, no, just uh, Terry. That's the only nomination I had. And and I, can I just ask? I'm sure we've seen pictures of him on his phone before. I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was a different judge. I'm sure we've seen a photo of a judge on their phone, a British judge as well. I, I can't remember what really? I've made. I remember an American judge. They've seen an American judge on the phone before. I'm not sure about a British one though, but it could possibly be. Uh, Andy, any nominations from you? Quite, quite strong this week. Bell, you throwing yeah, yeah. some good ones, and I think yeah, Danny, Danny O'Connor was a good, a good frontrunner for me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lopez Senior needs to retire now uh, because he, he did say that um, you know he would be knocked out in six rounds. Then they retire, so uh, he needs to be a man of his word now. Uh, obviously, he's not going to do it. Just a bit of a joke, obviously. But uh, no, I, I like this one actually. Obviously, uh, I don't know if anybody noticed um, uh, Ramirez's manager. I think it was mentioned about Josh Taylor. Had it become there'll be like massive forfeits if Taylor missed the fight. It like cost him seven figures. Uh, so you need to be staying out of the pubs and the clubs and that. So, so my orders are to get Taylor fight done for Ramirez. I don't know about Hooker and all that sort of stuff. The good thing is, our first Der Führer. Uh, esteemed First Minister Nicola Sturgeon's actually shut down all the pubs so Josh Taylor will not be in any fucking pub or club in the very near future so uh, we need to thank our Der Führer uh, for saving Rami- uh, Josh Taylor a seven figure purse or a fine there so at least that's, that's something to kind of be thankful for Ricky Richardson as well uh, very unpopular for me to say this but Richardson edged it for me Turn the sky commentary of Vasquez was tickling and running you could hear power shots nearly, all, uh, nearly landing from Richardson all night <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Uh, this one as well, dude, obviously I could mention, I don't know if it's, this is official or anything like that, but I've seen something getting mentioned last night. The WBC have now officially brought in the changes between cruiserweight and heavyweight. 
Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know what they're going to be telling their current champions, for example, like the international. Um, is, it, is it Makubu? Maybe the youth champion, the, the, the Emirates champion, the interim champions, all that sort of stuff that they need to cut at least what? I think it's ten pounds. What's that? Five percent or whatever that the body weight, and then they've obviously then if they, if they can't do that, they need to step up another. Is it twelve pounds to fight the smallish heavyweights and stuff without naming the division in between? What a clusterfuck! This is, is this going to be the only body that's going to recognise a, a division between cruiserweight and heavyweight? What's the IBF, WBO, and you know, WBA going to be doing about this sort of stuff? It's just an absolute fucking joke. So I throw WBC in there as well. Happy to throw them in as well. Uh, Porky threw one in for uh, Steffi Ball for tweet-related offences. Yeah. Uh, we got Tony Bellew as well. Oh, Bomber Bellew's balls bouncing off Bean's beak. There's an image for you to think about on a Sunday evening. Uh, who else hasn't gone yet? Uh, rapping Rob Kelly, have you got any nominations? No, I just think I think he deserves to be a strong nomination this week. Like, not like oh, we follow, we follow, we've been fighting. Like, haven't fought anybody on the same in the same stratosphere. Like, we all that from the sidelines. Like, haven't ever won a world title. Pathetic. That was absolutely pathetic. Um, that and Benny was very okay. Like, Terry O'Connor getting caught on the phone is going to take some topping for me. Like, do you know, he, he surely has a notion that there's cameras in here. Like, oh, fucking, I'm only sitting ringside. Like, I'll have a quick look. I don't know, was he checking scores or what was he at? Like, he was he was on Just Eat or whatever the fuck he was doing anyway. He shouldn't have been doing it. So, Just um, Eat. Yeah. I don't know, man. That was, that was shocking. That was shocking. He's bad. I figured out what it is. It's uh, when I'm walking. I'm such a, I'm such a freak like that when I start walking, the wind um, starts rustling behind me. So I'm sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, Haney, um, Bellew, and Terry O'Connor can't split them. Yeah, Haney's a good one. Bellew's a good one. Um, it's got to be Fat Terry, Aussie for yeah. me. It's got to be Terry. Yeah, I'm just, he's not going to win it, but I'm just giving another shout as well. Uh, Billy Nelson has just tweeted saying, my prediction is Lewis Ritson will win a world title by the end of next year. So I don't know what he's basing that on. After I think that's a troll, actually, to be honest. I think he's trolling there for some reason. Really? I think so. I don't know why. It's just, there's just something sticking in, my, sticking in my craw about that. I wouldn't be surprised, though. See, these days, you only have yeah, to get a couple of wins, a vacant WBO wow. appears, and then all of a sudden, Bob's oh, your uncle. No. Uh, Bob Aaron, maybe, literally, you know? No way. So you, you, there's not a chance that's happening. No way. Not, in the, not by the end of 2021. Uh, but for my vote, yeah, it has got to be Fat Terry O'Connor. Two for Terry. Uh, make it a three, Samanda. Absolutely, mate. I mean, listen, if you thought uh, carrying uh, cleverly back to the corner against Kovalev was bad, <laughs> this is just this is just disgraceful. I mean, we, yeah, we go back to it. Listen, corruption or incompetence, neither is good. And he's shown potentially both over the course of his career and that. And it's, just, it's just bad. It's, it's, it's a bad sight. And... Uh, Fuck anybody that says that you know you know Germany's worse or the America's worse than that. You know we're apparently the biggest nation in the world now for holding these big events and stuff like that. Who's say the ESPN, for example? There's this is happening close to every single show. There's a dodgy scorecard, one getting scored way wide, 
and now we know why fucking judges either falling asleep or watching their phone or watching red tube on their mobile phone when they should be scoring a fight. That's what's been happening. Three for Terry O'Connor, Rob. Um, uh, one thing that we haven't mentioned about Terry, actually, Rob, do you remember the first John McDermott Tyson Fury fight when he gave the yeah. the fight to Fury? Yeah. Ke- you remember Frank Maloney screaming on the side of the ring? I mean, that, that could have affected Frank. That could have sent him down a dark path, that result. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff uh, Terry O'Connor is guilty of. I don't know if we can give him fully the blame for that one, but, uh, um, yeah, no, it just stinks. Like, he's sitting on the phone. Like It's like, how did you score the fight, Terry? Don't know, mate, but I have a brilliant WhatsApp of a cat falling out of the sky on a fella's head and then dog turns up with some shoes, but I couldn't tell you what happened in the fight. Just put it down for fucking written. <laughs> Four for Terry. Uh, ben, good to have you with us throughout, sir. Uh, who's your nomination? You're going for Terry as well, aren't you? Obviously, yeah. It's got to be Terry. It's graceful. Uh, game set a match for Terry, then. Congratulations. Episode 395, Belly of the Week. There we are then. Let's get out of here. If there's any more questions, comments or anything that I have missed, I do apologise greatly. And uh, I don't know what's going on in the chat. My chat seems to have frozen on new comments. I don't know what you guys are saying. Hopefully you're all right there. Having a good time. We'll see you all for episode 396. Thanks to everyone who's been on tonight. Ben fuki has been with us, as has Andy Patterson. Wrapping up Kelly, Ozzy Smith, Adam Smith was here as well. No Yanks tonight, unfortunately. We did have Sam Maxwell as a guest. Good to have Sam on with us. Yes, we shall be back next week. Hit the like button if you enjoyed what we did. Hit the unlike button if you think we're shit. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a comment, all those lovely things. I've been Steve Wellings. Catch you all again same time at same place next week. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.